The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 89 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung at Prime LOL. If you guys are watching this show, it's too late to fade IG. <laughs> and we brought a guest on for tonight. Because we're going to be talking LCS, so we brought none other than at LCS Picks, fellow esports department contributor, Alan Heffelfinger. Thanks for joining us, Alan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So we've got a huge show prep tonight. It's going to be a lot of stuff to get through. We're going to be talking LCS lock-in and LCS you know, team-by-team team just in general. Uh, we've got... Action started in the LPL and the LCK just started this morning. So we'll, you know, we'll talk shop about a little of that stuff. And then we'll cover the LPL and LCK for next weekend and get to pick of the week and then anything else along the way. Like we, we always like to have fun with that kind of stuff. So we have Alan on. Um, and this is Alan's second time on the show, right? Second or third time? Uh, third time making an appearance, second time as a guest. Gosh, you got uh, Yeah, that's right. That's right. You, the, the, the world's thing was just a, a brief little ditty there. So, uh, multiple times. I think you've been back more than anyone else. So, Ooh, what an honor. It's an honor. You currently, currently best friend status, right? Best friend <laughs> of the gold card podcast, right? So, um, Alan, you start, you started off doing LCS picks and that's kind of where we're going to be going to start this show off. So... We've done our power rankings and our discussion for. I'm sorry, I just, I just looked at John. I can't keep it together. I just turn and I see John at the whole pizza, and he takes the bite of like this from this whole pizza. Oh, this show, this show's off the rails already. This is gonna be great. So, <laughs> completely disrupted my flow here. Thank you, John. So, I guess we'll start off with the LCS. And we've got the LCS lock-in tournament coming up. For those that don't know, the LCS is moving to a new format this year. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be crazy. (laughs) Damn it, John. The LCS is moving to a new format this year. Uh, We are having... The whole season is going to count toward Worlds. It's not going to be two separate splits. There's going to be a break in between where you know, for mid-season invitational and all that stuff. But what's being added is a preseason tournament akin to what the LPL and the LCK have with the Demacia Cup and Kespa Cup, uh, respectively. Uh, these are preseason, is a preseason tournament. It's going to be called the LCS Lock-In. So, the LCS Lock-In is going to be two weeks. Actually, it's yeah, it's a little more than two weeks. It's going to be every team in the LCS competing for prize money and then you know additional money going to charity of their choice, right? This has no bearing... On anything for the LCS, 
nothing for seeding, nothing for anything else. It's just a preseason tournament with prize money. I'll say like it's a decent sized prize pool, but compared to what these guys are making, not not so much. So we'll 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 I think it's a hundred and fifty K prize pool or hundred and fifty K to first or something like that. So um what's gonna happen is there's gonna be two groups, group A and group B, which we'll cover in a second. Five teams in each group. Only one team from each group is not making it to the next stage, which is the knockout stage. So four out of the five teams in each group are going to get out and then play a playoff bracket. Against and the first round of that playoff bracket is going to be against teams from the other group. So a lot like the world's format, except it's two groups. It's going to be a quick hitter tournament. They're going to play a single round robin, best of one for um, the group stage. It's going to be over, I believe, three days, and then you know the next weekend will go into the knockout stage. So they had a draft for this last week where the two finalists from summer, uh, FlyQuest and TSM did like a snake draft style of picking teams that they wanted in their group. Or no, it was teams to be placed in the other groups, what it was. So we actually have our groups now. But before we get to all of that, I went completely out of order already because I got derailed by Pizza John, Papa John over there. (laughs) I wanted to talk, spend some time talking the full LCS with you guys. We're going to talk, let's go, we're going to go team by team through this stuff. And then, you know, give your thoughts, give your outlook, and then we'll tie it back in with the LCS lock-in when we come back around. So, where'd you guys want to start? Anywhere in particular? Let's start at the bottom. I want to talk about the worst teams. Talking about the worst teams. So, I guess we'll go... I'm just going to eye this up. I'm not going to do all the math for it this week. (laughs) Josh, are you working on that or no? I didn't see. Okay, don't worry about it. I'm just going to eye it up. I'm not too worried about it. So... Looking like the consensus bottom team is Dignitas. So Dignitas, where did I put my thing? I'm totally lost. Damn it. Uh, Dignitas are doing a completely, not a completely new, completely new look, but a you know they've changed a lot of this roster. It's going to be Fake God in the top lane, Dardoch returning in the jungle, Saligo. In the mid lane, Neo and Aframu are going to be in the bottom lane for Dignitas. So, uh, Dardoch returns. Everything else is new, right? What do we? What Afro, are we? Afro is the same. Oh yeah, that's I forgot. I forgot. It was spring and summer. My bad. So Afro, so Dardoch and Aframu are returning, and then a uh, couple of uh, a whole bunch of new people. So, a few of these guys we've seen before. Um, Fate God, Saligo, and Neo—they've all been kicking around Challenger for varying amounts of time. Each, some of them doing better than others. Uh, Neo, I believe, was with Dignitas Academy. Saligo was Hundred Thieves, I think. Yeah, he was Hundred Thieves Academy. Yep. And then Fate God was Cloud Nine, I want to say. Also Hundred Thieves. Oh, he was also Hundred Thieves. He was also Hundred Thieves. That's right. That's and right. So Saligo played a good percentage of Hundred Thieves' LCS matches over the last year. Yeah, he's he's played. We've seen we've seen him in the LCS before. So. Yeah, uh, some retreads, some youth. What, what, what gives with why we're so down on this team? And really, I, I guess the question I should put out to you guys is, really, how down are we on this team? Like, is this going to be – are they going to win, like, no games? Or is this team going to be, like, pretty good, but the LCS is just competitive, so they're going to lose? Or is this just is this just a dumpster fire or what? Uh, we're actually down on this team, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh Neo, I'm actually pretty excited to see to see if he can make a stamp in the LCS. 
everybody else here is somebody that we've seen. The, the scary thing is that they're all somebody that we've seen, like, mostly in multiple situations that have not been impressed with. Yeah. It's not even just like they were on one bad team. Like, Fate Gods played LCS and Academy and was not insanely impressive either place. His Academy run was pretty good. Saligo, same thing. Aframu, obviously, and Dardock have been on multiple teams since they were good. Um, well, I mean, I know you disagree with me on Dardock, but I'm not excited about Dardock. So there's just for me, there's just nothing going for this team. The upside is like maybe Neo is a superstar. Doesn't seem like anybody else really has the potential to be like a, a top four player at their position, like even the potential to be. So you're shooting for the miracle dream of having one player that's top four at their position. Not yeah. much. Absolutely agree with John here. It's a lot of like, of all the teams that try to rebuild, this is the prime uh, time for LCS to rebrand. Holy crap, I didn't realize how big that pizza was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting got by the pizza, man. This is like... <laughs> uh, Dignitas did some like of the weirdest patchwork. And there, there is like the lowest upside when you combine it like all together, right? And like John said, there was only one guy that I'm very excited for, and I hope that he's not be uh, discouraged because of the underperformance that you'll kind of experience from retreads like Afro and Dardock. Josh, Alan, chime in. So. Uh... Dignitas is owned by the Philadelphia 76ers, correct? I believe so. Or someone Com- in the Com- Philadelphia Com- okay. yeah. So Daryl Morey just moved to the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> so I I have officially made it my mission. I'm going to just tweet at Daryl Morey all season long <laughs> to just blow this team up. What are they doing? I don't get it. Like... Why are we re-running back with all of these guys? Saligo is the guy who could not replace Rioma. Okay? I what are you doing starting your new team with him? I just it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm sure they're nice guys, you know, I I'm glad that they get a chance for them, but like this team is going nowhere. Josh. Yeah, uh I think we, we talked about it before. I think this is a team that had plans and they got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Uh, because you could tell just with the way they had to scramble to even find an AD carry. Um, and anytime you're in that spot, you're just going to, you know, you go next. Yeah. So they're yeah. go next year. And, uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. I, yeah. I don't expect they, they can be a decent punch up underdog, especially if jungle stays, uh, like jungle meta stays there. Cause Dardux e- easily, you know, they're, they're, their win condition, I would think, looking. Um, but probably not. I mean, hopefully we get some big numbers on them, and then it'll be worth a shot against some of these other teams, maybe like Liquid or someone that could be a little bit susceptible to some weird stuff, like FlyQuest maybe. I don't know. Let's see how every team plays out. But I think I think they're, they're going to be a punch-up underdog, but I don't see how you project them anywhere outside of the bottom two in the league. Yeah, I think uh, Dardock. It's like, Dar- to me, like, Dardock's the only player – that like could be top half in the league. Like I, I, I'm pretty high on Dardock, but I still think he's like, you know, third through fifth jungler, like somewhere in that vicinity. And I'm like fairly bullish on him. I think he's pretty good, but like don't have a whole lot to work with here. So I don't know. Like, so like what, what is the ceiling scenario for this team? We, we know the floor could drop out pretty easily, but like, what's the ceiling scenario? Like Neo's good. Aframu 
regresses somewhat back to where he was before, and then, you know, Fake God and Saligo get it this time? Like, they just figure it out? That's, like, so... To me, that's so many questions. It really might... The ceiling for this team really might be, like, eighth place. Yeah, like... And I don't, I don't say that very often, but, like, I just can't see this team, like, suddenly becoming, like, a, a, a contender, even if everybody improved and, like, regressed back to where you wanted them to go. Yeah. I just don't see them being better than, like, maybe seventh place. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh... Yeah, it's almost as if they missed out on some specific key free agents that will not be named. Right, Josh? <laughs> uh, no, no comment. <laughs> uh, all right, so next up, it's looking like Consensus Immortals? Not Consensus. We have, all right, so we're already diverging quite a bit here. I'll say Immortals, but we'll, we'll, we're going to talk through this because, you know, somebody out here has, has Immortals higher up than the others do. So, uh, Immortals are going to be Revenge in the top lane, who we'll all come back to in just a second. Uh, Xerxes from LEC. Insanity returns from last year. Then we're going to have Rays and Destiny, who are both former OPL players, Oceanic Pro League, and uh, Rays was still there last year. We got to see uh, a little bit. And then Destiny played in LEC last summer, but he's originally from the OPL as well. So kind of an interesting rebuild, right? We've got like a veteran. We've got a sophomore returning in Insanity. Insanity was actually, I thought, very impressive last season considering the team that was around him. And then you bring back an OPL, the, the OPL power of friendship in the bottom lane. So the big question to me here is revenge, right? We've only seen a little bit. I think he played like half a split of Academy with FlyQuest Academy. And that's it, really. Like, we don't really have a whole lot else. So, to me, he's like the the risk on this team. Like, more than the OPL players are. Because they've at least played on state, you know, the big stages before. Or relatively speaking, anyway. Um, yeah, thoughts, thoughts on Immortals. I, I kind of like this rebuild. I'm not like crazy high on it. But I, I think they've got at least some pieces that could that could spike and be good so a, a lot more optimistic than dignitas but still kind of questionable yeah you know i actually the uh, this is a team that i like more the more that i look at them yeah like every time i go back and look at the roster i actually like this team more than i did the time before revenge is a really good prospect insanity was very good last season rays and destiny have been at the top of their their home league so there's a decent chance they could come in here and be very good together. I mean, obviously, Destiny didn't have a great year last year, but <clears throat> those guys could come in here. Zerse at one point was a top three jungler in Europe, which is you know a tougher league than the than the LCS. I don't know. I kind of like this roster actually. The more that I think about it, this feels like a team that could be a playoff team to me. I don't feel anywhere near the same way about this team that I feel about Dignitas. Dignitas just feels like they have no shot. Yeah. These guys, I could see things happening for Immortals. Yeah, the, like the upsides there. Like they they still have questions. They need a couple things to go well for them, but like there's optimistic there's things that you can be optimistic about I think with this team more than more than Dignitas. Uh Alan, what do you think? Uh I think you know they imported the jungle support duo of the third placing LEC uh origin team and so <laughs> that team can't be worse than 7th in the LCS to me. So uh I put them right there. I mean, I don't. 
I don't know anything about their top laners, so I can't really comment there. But I think the rest of the roster is like is like a smart rebuild, like John said. Uh, Reyes was, you know, an impressive part of the of the OPL team. I forgot their name already. That was Legacy. at World Legacy. Legacy, yeah. So he was kind of their big carry, if I remember correctly. So I think it's a cool rebuild. I don't know if they're going to be, you know really competing for a championship, but I, I see this team in the playoffs. Josh, what do you think? Immortals. Yeah, so I like that they have the veteran presence, and I I don't know if you mentioned Giotto came over as well. Yeah. Um, so I, didn't, I, I didn't, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I do like that. I think that gives them a little bit of upside, um, just in terms of, I think in a league like the, like the LCS, you can have uh, more upside by having veterans than we would particularly assign in leagues like, you know, the LEC or LPL, LCK. Um, just because generally there, there's a lot more influx of young talent, especially domestically in all those regions. Uh, that's not necessarily the case in the LCS. Um, so I think that there is some upside just given that. I still think that, like, I have this team ranked ninth still um, because I still just don't necessarily think all the pieces are all that good. John did a good job of going through and mentioning how they do have upside pretty much every position. Um, I'm not very high on, on revenge. And um, I do think Xerxes is, is decent and could be good. And LCS specifically, because I find him like, I used to think he was like the European Smithy. So he's probably just a better version of a guy who was pretty good. But even with Smithy, they were like an eighth place team or something, right? So not, not a super high ceiling here, but I, I definitely think they – they could definitely be that team that ends up sneaking into the playoffs or something. But I, I do still think in my median case, I have them uh, the ninth place team, but right there with Golden Guardians. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw it to Chris, but like, you know, I'm going to ask each of you to chime in just like real quick. Better or worse than last year's Immortals? I think it's definitely better. Better, absolutely. You get an upgrade at Jungle. Um, I'm not, again, I don't think I can add anything new. Revenge did not impress me. It was uneven at best in Academy. Uh, but the rest of the roster, I think there's upside more than Dignitas. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up or down? Better or worse than last year's Immortals? Two, th- two thumbs up? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I like this rebuild because it, it, it gives them – you can see it. There's a path to success with this. And this is definitely a team that I could see, especially if Revenge pans – if Revenge ends up just being, like, okay, like passable – like star, like I'm not even talking like good necessarily. Like st- I'm talking like starter level. If he's like the eighth to tenth best top laner in the league, th- this team could be pretty good. So, yeah, I I, I like this rebuild quite a bit. Um, I kind of I kind of just because you just said that I kind of wish like Solo would have been on this team. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good fit for like what they're going for, and it's not like he's old or anything. So yeah. raises the floor quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um. Okay, so we now have composites, and actually Immortals were eighth in our composite rankings. Uh, we're going to backtrack a second and go to our our ninth, our ninth place team, which is Golden Guardians. So Golden Guardians are – they brought in the Maryville, top and, Maryville University top and jungler. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, I'm extremely excited for Niles and Iconic. I'm, I'm really, really hype on those two. They have a Blaze Olive who's been. Dude, how many years has a Blaze Olive been like grinding for an opportunity as a starter? It's got to be like four or five years now at this point, right? 
Yeah, and he's he's had a stint or two. Yeah. But, yeah. He's never had, like, full-time starter, really. I don't though, believe right? so. So this is going to be his first opportunity. Stixay in the 80 carry, and then Newby from the Latin American League from, I believe it was All Knights. So, yeah. Another, another one of these uh, interesting rebuilds sort of you could maybe point to uh the fact that they lost four people directly to a different org that we're going to touch on a bit maybe something to do with money we don't know a little speculation there but let's just take a look at golden guardians in general i think the upside for this team is really high if i if niles and iconic turn like pan out and they can end up being pretty good i think this team could get there but I think the reason we all had them, like most of us had them in that eight to nine range is because there still needs to, you know, you need like three or four things to go right for this team to really be good. I think if like two, a couple things go right, they could be a playoff team, but they need a lot of things to go right to be more than that. So I think, I kind of think that's baked into, into our, our ninth place consensus here. So who wants, who wants to take golden guardians? Anybody got thoughts on golden guardians? Yeah, I'm kind of, I feel a little bit differently than you. I don't think this team has that much ceiling. The reason for that is I think Niles and Iconic, there's like kind of two options for them. Either they are what they looked like they were before they came into the league, which is like pretty much studs. Um, If that's the case, then they have two studs and three guys who I think are going to be probably bottom three at their position in the league. And I think that's like their best case scenario. And there's always a chance that Niles and Iconic were just big fish in small ponds and come in here and, and don't look great in the LCS. And if that happens, this could be your last place team as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not so big on the, on the ceiling on this team. I think Stixa and a blaze olive are almost guaranteed to be failures uh, just from what we've seen from them in the past. Newbie has a chance to be good, but man, the Latam regions are so far behind yeah, the other. It's another big fish, play. small pond situation. It's pretty know. tough for me to want to grade him. Like even if you're the best player in Latam South, like it's tough for me to want to make you into like an automatic stud yeah. in the LCS. So We'll have to see. It could be, but I'm I'm interested. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this entire team basically hinges on if Niles and Iconic work out. So, I, I mean, Josh, what do you think? I was just going to say, <clears throat> this team has, like, the more standard, um, to me at least, the more standard definition of upside because they have two young guys coming in, or, or maybe three if you count newbie. Um that we haven't seen before. But with that being said, and to John's point, like I've watched a little bit of tracking the pros and six and newbie, like have been getting clapped when they're duo queuing by like random, random, like, you know, solo queue bot lanes and stuff. So I don't know how optimistic we can realistically be, but I do think that their, their top trio does have some potential for the ceiling that they could carry this team because six, a has shown us in the past an ability to just play weak side and so if it turns out that Niles can just hard carry every game from top lane, similar to someday, um, maybe they can end up being a good team. Like if, if Niles ends up being a top three top laner and Iconic is a top five jungler or something, then then I think they can get some ceiling just from that, that top jungle synergy. Any other thoughts on Golden Guardians? Just quickly, for me, it's it's more of the narrative, right? I want Niles to succeed to show, like, North America is doing something by paying attention to these amateur leagues, these college leagues, and they're they're producing really good 
uh, players, and subsequently that would mean good coaches as well. There's a room to build coaches. I wouldn't be surprised if this team finished last place, just because they have a it, it's a big talent uh, gap and experience gap right now. But um, again, I I think this team at the least is heading in the right direction. Uh, the the three teams that we all talked about, I all have bottom you know, only one percent chance for them to make it out. Yeah, I, I can see. To, I kind of I, I did my write up. You can find over at the esports department, but. In my write-up, I talked a lot about how we're going to know... Like, I, I, this team's not going to be good to start, I don't think. So, you're, you're <clears throat> this is more a team you're looking towards summer split. Maybe if they start piecing it together, you can you can back them as under big underdogs toward the end of the split, like the end of spring. Obviously, I, I say split. It's not going to be literal splits anymore. We'll, we'll, you know, toward the end of spring. I think like toward the end of spring, maybe if they're starting to gel a little bit and they've lost a bunch, so they're going to be undervalued, you could maybe back them as a big dog. But this is more like looking for it as a summer team, I think for me. Um, we're gonna we're gonna touch on lock in in a second, but you know, or not in a second, a little bit, but yeah, I I definitely see this. Is a, yeah, I could see this being like fifth or sixth or like dead last with a bullet, like not close. So we'll see. Next up. Actually, uh, Alan, do you have anything on Gold Guardians? Well, now that you ask, <laughs> I was going to let it go, but I can't. On on the uh, Infinity Edge, shameless plug for the esports department, you can uh, check it out there on, on YouTube and on the, uh, on the website. We talked about how Golden Guardians has a 10th place uh, attitude, <laughs> and they – I just didn't – I don't understand how they could sell – Four players who brought them to, you know, basically LCS contention. I think it's a bad, I think it's a bad way forward for LCS teams who are trying to gain fans. I mean, there's no like, not like in traditional sports where you're just born into a team. There's no reason to root for a team if they're like, oh, we just took all of our best players and and we sold them because we don't really care about this asset that we have and uh here are these guys and i hope these guys turn out well i mean i i hope for the college game and for the future of the league that these guys turn out well but i i just hate what they did this year yeah i'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because i'm but that kind of is echoing chris's sentiment too like i i hope that niles and iconic work out so that the college scene gets some clout so to speak and people start paying attention to that more and maybe gets more backing but is there any way that there was something going on behind the scenes here? Like, is Golden Guardians just saying, like, was this, was this, co- we mentioned it in the roster, like, was this, like, COVID? Like, they don't have the money for it? Like, That's that what I thing? think it was. I'm pretty sure Travis Gafford commented on that, because they're another team, they're, they're associated with, with the, uh, uh, wow, the Warriors. Um, yeah, Warriors. Warriors. Who obviously had a down season, they lost, like, all their best players to injuries, and COVID hit, so they probably weren't making much money off their NBA team. Um, and Travis Gafford, I believe, is the one that hinted uh, in the middle of last year that a lot of these NBA-associated teams, because um, there's a, the other one was the MSG team. I think that might be CLG. Yeah, um, CLG's owned by MSG, yeah. Yeah, so I think he suggested that all of those teams with ties to, like, the NBA and, you know, spectator sports or spectator activities, where that's where they're making the general – the uh, majority of the revenue um, that they're going to struggle to field competitive rosters just because they can't afford it. And you got to remember, we talked about it before on the show. All, most of these franchises, if not all, operate at a at a at a net loss, right? So 
if you're, you know, the, the owner of the, uh, of the Golden State Warriors, you're just not, you're not going to yeah. want to continue paying a Demonte. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lug, it's a luxury or a loss leader, whatever you want to call it. Like it's, it's, it's a, a luxury expense for these teams. It's a way, it's a it's like kind of a weird way to advertise for them essentially. And then like, if this, it's like an investment where it's like, Oh, if it pops, it's like a speculative investment, you know? Like if it pops, then cool. If not, it's advertising for us. So, um, yeah, yeah, but you you bought the team at a loss, right? You yeah. knew going into the investment that you were you were buying them at a loss as a long term investment. That hopefully in the future that you know they bring fans to your team and they bring fans to your basketball team as well. So I don't I don't really get you know saying all right this team that doesn't make any money from spectators anyway, right? And is a team that maybe could grow in uh, in profit. We're just gonna get rid of them. I don't know. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's weird. It's weird flex, right? Like, I know the day this happened. I guess I mean, we'll, we'll, we're gonna talk about where they went in a little bit, but like the day this happened, I was just like, why? That was my first. I was the same thing. I was like, why? <laughs> you had a good thing going here. Like this was gonna be the season, and <laughs> you said, no, nah, now we're good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I yeah. was rallying. I was rallying like. This team needs to go out and pick up someday. You know, they need yeah. a top laner. Go get someday, <laughs> fill it right in. And then it was like exact opposite thing happened. Just gave me a good laugh. It's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen like a four-way like trade, essentially. Like not even a trade. Like a, like a, a team just picks up literally four-fifths of the roster. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So that's 100 Thieves. We're going to touch on them in a second. Our consensus, set, anything else on going Guardians besides w- the weird flex angle, which is definitely true? All right. Um, seventh consensus seven here. Well, not consensus, but our composite seven is CLG. So CLG, we'll talk more about when it gets when we get to the lock in because they've had some visa issues. But let's talk big picture for CLG first. So Counterlogic Gaming are going to be Finn in the top lane, Brox in the jungle, Poe Belter at eighty carry, Wild Turtle and Smoothie in the bottom lane. So pretty much all veterans. All, you know, long-time veterans at this point, besides Finn, who's entering his sophomore season. So, yeah. CLG, I think, going old man game a little bit, right? <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody chime in? You yeah, no, leave me hanging? Yes. No, sorry. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, mean, I said it earlier. This is the region to do it in, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's much more applicable in this region than any other in the world. Um, although I, I'm not, to be fair, I'm not intimately familiar with like, you know, Latam, Brazil, uh, the Turkish League, things of that nature. But of, of the major, quote unquote, regions, this is the one to do it in. Um, I think, I kind of think just straight up across the board, these are all players that were underrated last year. I agree. Um, and maybe not, maybe not like Smoothie. He'd be the one I, I would say. I would have reservations saying that about, um, cause he was pretty bad, uh, and he can't dodge a skill shot to save his life, but, uh, he still showed some, a couple of flashes of, of positive play. Other than that though, I mean, you're talking about the worst player on, on, on a good team for both Finn and Broxa. So I think those are both good pickups considering the value that they were probably able to achieve. And then Poe Belter, I thought was, I mean, we know I'm a, a Poe Belter fanboy. I thought he was a like a top tier mid laner in the league. Um, 
I'd have to do a list to say if he's top three, top four, top five. But I thought he was a very, very, very good underrated player. Um, and when he got his chance, he really made the most of it and was able to literally hard carry this team. Through. How many how many bad teams has Poe Belter hard carried like the last couple of years? He he's he's, I mean, he's, he's had good teams. Hard. He's had good teams yeah. in the past. I, like yeah. yeah, but it's weird that. Every, it seems like every time he's asked to come in and fill in for a team that's like a train wreck, he ends up being good. So to me, that yeah. that says something. Like not that not that he's just like because you you can end up having like that. You know, it keeps it's the third time it's kind of like big fish in a small pond situation where like a good player on a bad team can look very very good. But I think Pablo is just rock solid. He's been so good for his whole career, and. I think I had CLZ higher than everyone else here, so I guess I'll make like my bull case for them, and then John can go the other direction here because I think you had them the lowest. One, I think this is kind of like a buy low situation. Like I think you're buying low on a bunch of players that had either off seasons or were being slammed and way everyone's going way too far in the other direction that they're they're bad players from last season. I'm talking mostly about like Broxa and Finn, uh, especially Broxa. Like, I don't think these players are that bad. Turtle is probably like Turtle and Smoothie. I could see like maybe making the case for, but to me, you have Finn, who you know I went back and looked because I was putting this list together, and I was like, was Finn really as bad as I thought he was? I went back and like watched some. Just I just picked games out, and I think I was maybe a little wrong on Finn over the course of summer, and he wasn't quite as dramatically worse than his team as I thought he was, maybe. He just had some low-light kind of games. So I could see that working out. Brox, I think, had didn't have to do anything on Liquid, especially in summer. Like, he was just... He was just a, basically a body. The lanes on that team won so much of that that team's games that it, it almost didn't matter what he did. He just needed to do his job. Poe Belter we talked about already. Turtle kind of like, I don't want to say reinvented himself, but like he's not going to have that ceiling like he used to have if he's going to play the same way. He could very well revert back to what he used to be, right? And that's like kind of an X factor with this team. But Turtle last year on FlyQuest was he, – he stopped – being Wild Turtle. Like, he was a completely different player. He was like, I guess, like, honestly, he was more like Cody's son, where Cody's son was just there. He was just Turtle. Player, and he was just, yeah, he wasn't Wild. He was just Turtle. <laughs> he was just playing safe. He wasn't, he wasn't inting. He wasn't trying to make crazy plays. He was just doing his job. And then you have Smoothie, who, regardless, I think we all agree that, like, the, the MVP thing was, was a little ridiculous, like, le- the year before last, right? in 2019, but he was still a really good player in that year. Overrated, sure, still a really, really good player, and we're only a year removed from that, right? So, to me, like, there's this is a situation where you have a bunch of guys that I think are being undervalued and could easily, like, it, it wouldn't even take that much of, like, a regression to their career mean, so to speak, right, for this to be a situation where, like, all these guys are, like, right around, like, that fifth place, like, you know, fifth in their role, like, right in the middle of the pack in their role in the league. And if that's the case, like, other than, like, the elite, like, the, the better, like, the actual real strong teams, I that's that's a good thing in the LCS. Like, that's, that's going to be consistent. These guys are experienced. I could see them starting off hot because they've all played before. Uh, not, you know, maybe you're going to have, with the visa issues we're going to talk about in a little bit, 
they didn't get good off season, but I could see this team starting well because veterans tend to tend to pick things up a lot quicker than you know teams of rookies do. I, I don't know. I, I I just see some upside here. I also think like if the game's going to stay the way it is right now, it's a good meta game for this team too. So I, I don't know. I'm higher on CLG than you guys are, but I can definitely see the floor situation too. John, take the floor. You 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 are the opposite end of the spectrum here. Well, I actually I mostly agree with you. The pro, I I would change my wording from what you said. Like I don't once again I don't think this is a team that has upside for me. I think they're a team that has a big floor, and like I think this is a team that even though I have them placed in in eight, I can't see them being lower than eighth. It's like the opposite of yeah. some of these other teams. Like I've kind of put them at the bare bottom of what I like think is acceptable from them. Like I think they could come eighth but they could come as high as like 4th or 5th and I don't I would be very surprised if they came ninth or 10th. They're like the least they have the they have the, the smallest range of outcomes besides yeah, maybe Dignitas me, or like the elite teams, right? Yeah, for me they're like just right in the middle of the league, uh <clears throat> a solid team. I do think that you're right that they picked up a bunch of players that were all underrated last season or within the last like year and a half, I think all of these players have been underrated. Um, and we could definitely see them come out and have a good season. I could totally see a really good season from Broxa here, a really good season from Finn. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely the ability. The problem for me here, let me digress, because the problem for me is that if we see a really good season from Broxa and a really good season from Finn, I still don't think this is a top three team in the LCS. That's the, that's the big problem for me, is like the reason I don't give them the ceiling. I could 100% see them in like third or fourth yeah. and – and battling, but I just can't see them being like the team that won the LCS this split. So yeah, I think I think they're a pretty solid team. People are probably going to underrate them because they got a bunch of quote unquote washed up guys. But I mean, Turtle's coming off the best season of his career in my like the best season of his recent career anyway. Finn was good last season. Broxa was on one of the best teams in the LCS last season, whether you liked his play or not. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. I think this team this team should be just fine. CLG are going to make us a lot of money betting on them. Because they're going to be undervalued, they're going to be undervalued and solid and predictable. So, you're like you're going to have previous price baked in. You have a bunch of veterans that are known quantities for the most part, and they're just going to be they're going to be like a value pick every single week, unless they start if they end up starting off like six and one or something crazy like that, and then they they become overpriced. Then you just don't back them or you go against them. But they're going to be undervalued to start the season, like guaranteed. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just think like in the LCS, these are the kind of teams that are like playoff teams, like like competitive playoff teams that could like like spike a series. So, you know, we're gonna touch on it more in a little bit. But before before this Visa news that happened, uh, for the lock in specifically, like I actually like CLG to win that, like have a chance to win that tournament at their price. They were like twenty five to one, and it was exactly that reasoning where it's like, okay, these are all veterans. They've been around the block a little bit. Finn's the youngest one, and he was you know new last year playing in stronger competition. So. This is exactly the kind of team, like, while everyone else is figuring themselves out, it's just a bunch of guys coming in and doing their job like they've been doing for years now, and I could see them, like, just spiking a short tournament like this. So, but that's changed, and we'll touch on that when we get there. Uh, any other, uh, who did I miss? Having five people is tough. Just, <laughs> uh, I I don't think I can add anything new. CLG, I placed them in the spot where they're just the gatekeeper, right? You gotta be better than us to qualify for playoff. And that's that's pretty much how I see them. Yeah. Yeah, they're the they're the Afrika freaks of, of the NALCS, right? Anyway. Um anything else? 
Be good on CLG. All right, cool. Uh, next up is FlyQuest, but we had a tie here. So we have FlyQuest and Evil Geniuses were tied. Um, we'll do FlyQuest first, I guess. Uh, FlyQuest it's are... funny that those guys ended up tied. Yeah, I know. Me. I know. Those I was just thinking the same thing. Basically tied, like in my mind. I I looked at those two teams forever and tried to decide which one I thought was better, and then they just end up tied here too. So no separating them. So FlyQuest, I actually this this line is really interesting to me. So FlyQuest are going to be Licorice, uh, Jose Dodo from um, who was it? God damn it, Rainbow Seven. That we saw at the World Championship play for Latin America's uh, World's Representative. Palafox from Cloud9 Academy. And, yeah, Cloud9 Academy. I didn't write these down, so if I'm wrong, correct me. Uh, Johnson we saw last year with Dignitas and Diamond, also, I think, from Cloud9 Academy, right? Was he uh, almost there? Like, half yes. these guys are Cloud9 Academy or 100 Thieves that are 100 Thieves next, right? So they're like the T1 and Genji of NA, right? That's what I was going to say. Cloud9 Academy is like the Griffin and T1 Academy yeah. of NA. Yeah. So Licorice Jose Dodo, Palafox Johnson, and Diamond. A uh, couple young prospects. You got an input. This is. Are you noticing like a trend here with the NA teams? Like everyone's dipping their toe into the into the, the smaller ponds, right? Trying to find the biggest fish in the small pond, right? I think Jose Dodo was one of, if not the best players in Latin American League. I didn't watch every single game in the Latin American League, but I did watch the playoffs and I did follow the the top teams. And it was like him. Uh, you still have like Sayas, really, really good in Latin America. Uh, I thought Newbie was actually really, really good as well. And then there's a couple other guys that are like in that echelon. But I like, I like the idea of like picking the best player from from one of these leagues. You're seeing a bunch of leagues around the world do this now too. Plus, they're kind of incentivized, like from a marketing standpoint. If you can appeal, if you can get fans from that, it makes a lot of sense. So that's an angle to think about too. Um. And then you get you bring two of the guys that have been playing together forever in the Cloud9 system, Academy system, right? Yeah, just quickly on that point about bringing in people from smaller regions, it's something that the best football clubs in the world have been doing for years and years, right? They, they pick the very best African talents, the very best North American talents, and, and bring them into their club and into their system and hope that – that they can make them into, you know, international level players. So I think I think it's a smart approach. Yeah, and and you again you're talking about like if you're talking about like the top 100 players, even if it's a smaller pool, you you're just good at so, at some point. Like we, we talked about this at the world uh, during the world championships too. Like yeah, maybe there's a lo- a smaller quantity of those like truly elite caliber players, but at some point you just have to be that good to be that consistent, you know, consistently ahead of your competition. So I love taking a shot on this kind of thing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this too. And actually I should have said this when I was talking about newbie, cause they should get the same credit. Uh, I was kind of like sounded down on newbie, even though I feel the same way about that pickup as I do about the Jose Diodo one. Yeah. Um, you can probably get these, these guys that are coming from the smaller regions pretty cheap. They have really high upside. There is a chance they could come in and just be a complete stud and you probably didn't have to pay them very much. And uh, the when you talk about with like the streaming and following uh, that you can fans that you can bring over is huge. So I really like the Jose Diodo pickup. Licorice, uh, you know, he's been he's been around and, and so good for so long. I think we know what we can expect from him. I'd be really surprised if he has like a terrible split here. Um, I think he's probably going to be top three top laner in the league yeah. somewhere. Johnson is a prospect that I'm super excited about. I really liked Johnson last year, despite how awful his team was and how they never had a chance to win any games. But I really liked him. He's and so young. for me, he's it comes down young. to the, yeah, 
for me, it comes down to the translation of the C9 Academy guys, whether or not they can make it in this league. Palafox in particular, actually, I'm more worried about him than Diamond. Um, if Palafox is a top five mid laner in the league, I think this team honestly could contend to win the LCS. Yeah, I, like, I think so. you could. I could see these guys battling if Palafox is a top five mid laner in the league. Submit like Mad Lions vibes to you a little bit. Yeah, although I think Mad Lions might be a little bit more consistent. I could see FlyQuest being bad yeah. as well, like FlyQuest being like a bottom four team. Um, if, if Jose Diodo, Palafox, and Diamond do not translate well, I'm not sure Licorice and Johnson is enough to carry you into the playoffs. Yeah. So I, I could see this team missing the playoffs. But I could also see them literally contending to win the league. So high range of outcomes, but I like what they've done here. Uh, they've got good young talent, and the only like older veteran guys they picked up, or the only like, one guy that they picked up was Licorice, who was good last season. It's not like they went out and got like I hate when teams go out and pick up the veteran who sucked last year. Yeah, don't do it. Get a, get a new guy. But if you want to pick up a veteran that was good last year, I'm all for that. Who's next, Josh? Yeah, everything for Norseman said. I like this team. Think that. Uh... It's going to be a, an interesting change from last year because I don't think they're going to be – what I wanted to say at the end of the last one was I think that uh, CLG is this year's FlyQuest, and this team feels more like last year's like Evil Geniuses but should have a higher floor than EG did last year yeah. in my opinion. So I think they are going to be a little bit more variant just because if you look at like the way Kyle Fox played in Academy, he was kind of a hard carry or hard stomp type player. Um, but a lot more hard carrying than than, than the other. So – um, I think they have a little bit wider range of outcomes than than we're kind of going to be previously used to seeing, especially out of someone like Lickers just in general on his teams have been like rock solid consistent. And then with last year, we got so used to to FlyQuest just being like they're the they're the X team, you know what I mean? They're yeah. like so consistent about their approach. So I think that'll be interesting to see that the organization kind of have that that little shift. I think. So you, you said you said EG. I kind of think they're more like Golden Guardians last year. Like a lot of young guys, like up plenty of upside, and like it, honestly, it ended up panning out pretty well by the end of the season. But yeah, they, they feel, yeah, I guess both those teams kind of had like, well, I guess the EG angle is like high floor, low like low floor, high ceiling, right? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Chris, what do you, Chris, what do you think about FlyQuest? You muted. Yeah, trying to find an unmute button. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Also in the middle of a game. Anyways, uh, FlyQuest, I, uh, really think they're going to have to take a step back, right? They just gutted the whole team, but they bring in some talent and I'm always, uh, impressed with C9 and what they do in their academy team. They seem to have, uh, players that are ready to play in the, the big stage. So, uh, with that in mind, I just think because of that, this team has um, a lot of uh, capability of being an upside playoff. They're not going to be they're uh, more leaning more towards making it rather than falling out, unlike the other teams that have ranked below them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, anything else on FlyQuest? Yeah, I think I think I'm starting to feel like they're getting a little buzz as the uh, as the smart team, and. Or like the money ball team, which makes me a little bit nervous about them, but I ranked them fourth because I just absolutely love what this team did, right? They, yeah. they took undervalued assets from other teams and, and put them all together and, and hoped that they could grow them into like a, a great team, which reminds you of like 
those teams in the NBA or the MLB or something like that that you hear all the analysts and betters getting a little, getting a little boner for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you're like, oh, are they actually this good or? Are they just smart and we like what they do? So I am a little bit worried that now I've overrated them, but I think this rebuild is awesome. I think that their coaching staff last year looked really, really good, and I'm so excited to see what they do with this team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm with you. Like, sometimes it's, like, getting too cute, you know, where it's, like, oh, I like what this team did, and you end up, like, pushing them up a little bit because you, like, like what they did more than, the like, the actual what you're seeing. But obviously, this is preseason. We're not going to know until we see this. But like, I gotta. So I gotta call you out on something here, Alan. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end up doing battle a little bit in like a couple uh, the next couple, I think. But I gotta call you out on this one. So if you like that they picked up undervalued assets, how do you not like CLG more? Or is it ju- or is it just the ceiling situation for you? <laughs> oh no! You left the meeting. Vince is a savage. He peaced out. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome back, Alan. Well, I, I got challenged, so I decided to just hang up the call. <laughs> no, I missed the uh, I missed the mute button there. Hit the hang up. It's so all it's all good. It's all good. We'll, we'll keep it rolling here. Uh, I, yeah, I think the upside is is a lot lot higher for the the FlyQuest okay. set of players. Right, like that, I was that makes looking sense. at. I was looking at CLG's roster, and you approached it from, oh, they're going to be around five in every position. I approach it from, they're going to be bottom five or worse in every position. Okay. So, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes so sense. That's, that, that, that lines up right. with where you have them then. That, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. I just need to get some granularity, some clarity there, right? Um, well, don't do it again, or I'll hang. Oh, we hanging up again? Okay, this, uh, really summoner like... has left the team. <laughs> what is it? What's the? What's the? What? It's like it, the summoner is disconnected. Don't, don't anymore. <laughs> well, not as badly if you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had to, I had to that, ask because yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta challenge you on this one. So, um, <laughs> we're having too much fun in the chat for this. All right. Um, next up, we had Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses are, uh, I think, worth mentioning. They bring in Peter Dunn from Mad Lions and other, you know, European LEC teams. Has he been in the LCS before? He did something with the LCS, didn't he? At some point, I don't remember. Um, anyway, Peter Dunn and some of his staff. Plus, they bring some of the same staff back. Um, also, Empire. A lot of us know him from Twitter. Is doing scouting and analysis for that for them as well. So just worth noting because it's someone that we all have checked out on Twitter. Evil Genius is going to be Impact, Sven Skarin, and Jazuke returning, and then Deftly and Ignar are going to be your bottom lane here. So Impact comes in from Team Liquid. It's been there for a long, long time. They keep Sven Skarin and Jazuke. They keep that duo together, and then bring in a new bot lane. Um, Evil Genius is to me are like just their their wide range of outcomes of the team because all right, so last year I liked the idea like going into last season I liked the idea of Sven and Jazuke these are like just they're just playmakers not the most efficient players not always the smartest players either but they're playmakers and they want to make stuff happen right meta last year didn't quite pan out for them they also didn't you know Sven in particular didn't play, you know, up to his career levels, right? 
Jazuke, I think it was more of a meta situation than him actually playing bad. I think they were kind of using him in really weird ways that don't complement his skill set. Uh, I was excited about that duo last year. Is Am I crazy for thinking they could potentially figure it out this year? Like, they, they'll be better this year? It's pretty hard for them to be worse than they were last year, right? My question that goes with your question <clears throat> is, do you guys feel like this roster is like, has two sets of players that are different types of players. A little bit. Like I feel like Jazuke and Ignar belong on a team together. Like I think those guys are 100% I want to see them on the same team. They're both good, like go nuts playmaker guys. Yeah. But when I think Svenskeren and Impact, I think like like rocks. I, these days, Svenskeren he had a time when I thought he was like a very aggressive jungler. That's fair, but these yeah. days I view him as like a pretty conservative jungler. And I view Impact as like a very conservative, safe top laner. That's like a solid top laner. But it doesn't feel like Impact and Svenskeren fit with Jizuke and Ignar to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, that's my biggest worry with this team. Like, I think they have some talent. But the biggest problem last year with Jizuke was he was not on the same page with the rest of the team who did not want to play the same way. And now we just have a like exacerbated version of that for me. So I'm not sure. Well, we'll have to see how it goes. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow up on that one. Like, just. Is 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 your image of Svenskeren painted more by last year than because like I, I I think going into last year he was still his old self like it wasn't like he had changed he'd been exposed sure a few times but like his MVP split I'll never get over it like his MVP split he was I thought he was just bad for the whole split and they gave him MVP <laughs> like and then the next year he was bad again and I was just like mm, I think I think maybe they're wrong. The last time I really felt like he was like a bold, aggressive jungler was probably like two years ago. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Then, like, I I just, I just wanted to follow up and make sure it wasn't just clouded by like this team was hot and cold last year, or like this the way they were using. So, all right, big picture, I like this roster. I like the talent on this roster. I think it fits together in a way that makes sense. I thought last year the the coaching staff for this team just severely. They did a terrible job last year. They weren't using the players that they had well. A lot of their drafts, like, not that great. There were times in the spring split where I was like, oh, this team is, like, you know, pretty disciplined at the very least. Like, they they, they, have, a, they have a plan. doesn't always line up with what they want to do. But they, they, they were a team to me that didn't utilize the assets that they had in an optimal way. Like, they weren't doing stuff that was outwardly bad, if that makes sense. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a football example. Like, it's a coach that's not like making a lot of drastic mistakes, but they're definitely not optimizing their players either, right? I'm trying to maybe Josh can pull up like think, who's the first coach that pops to mind that's like not not making like drastic mistakes, but definitely not optimizing and being efficient with like with their play calling or with how they're using their players. Yeah, probably like Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, yeah, Pete Carroll, like maybe Mike Tomlin, right? Where it's like okay, like these guys are a certain amount good that. That commands respect and everything, but like as play callers, they could definitely do more to be more efficient. And that's kind of how I, I mean, felt about the EG coaching staff last year. What about you, Alan? What do you think? They were also held down by the fact that Bang outwardly hated his team. I think so. That's what it seemed <laughs> like, like there would be interviews where <laughs> Bang was just like, "I'm only one player. I mean, what can I do?" <laughs> and you're like. Uh, that that doesn't sound like a healthy team environment yeah. going on there. Yeah. And then there would just be team fights where Bang would show up like, you know, three minutes late, and and he, he clearly just was going in because his team forced him to. Yeah, definitely not on the same. Josh, you want to chime in? 
That I was going to say, like, I don't really blame the coaching. I blame the GM. Like, this is a situation where, like, like whoever drafted the team is an idiot. Like, if you put Jazuke with – what the hell? Like, in what world does that make any sense to you? Like, what do we, we – Dude, we what all... about – what was it? Zazel, Zazel and Bang are, like, the two most polar opposite players in their lane, right? We no, That was, I like, our we... main – that was, like, our, one of our criticisms last year of them. No. Well, I think I... – I think they're a better fit. I think like Ignar would be the polar opposite of Bang. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. what I'm saying is I think Zazel is closer to Ignar than like even the middle. I think Zazel's definitely okay. more along that spectrum. So more like coin flippy. Yeah, it's just like you have a you have a relatively like relatively speaking, when we all the reason that everyone was hype on Jazuke when he came to NA is because he's very mechanically gifted and he's known for being hyper aggressive to a point of even being coin flippy. And then you pair that with like one of the best Korean ADC players in history that wants to play like the most stock standard two core protect me like scale yeah up, like League of Legends like, like so like if I'm the coach you what? want power of evil not Jazuke yeah exactly what yeah. do you want me to do so I I don't really feel that you know I don't really blame the coaching staff too that's awful fair. much that's a good point I think it's partially going to be on on the players for you know. Both Zuke and Bang both need to meet somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. And second off, the GM should not put them in that situation. In that, like, even I would have even been better with, like, I think this team would have been better with, like, insanity. Yeah. Like, in terms of talent, a clear step down, but he at least will play that. I'm going to hyperscale the late game and try and play, like, Karthus mid, the court, like, Azir. Like, he's going to play these type of champions. So, um, yeah, I just thought their team composition was weird last year. I do like what they did this year in terms of bringing impact. And I think that, uh, Deathly is like, I don't know, I don't know. He's kind of not good, but I think he's probably going to be, uh, you know, more, more down for that style. And I think oddly enough, like we know impact as this rock player, but if you ever watch impact in like solo queue or when he streams, he never plays tanks. Yeah. Like this dude only plays like Irelia. And like, um, like set and like Jace. I think he wants to be a more coin flippy player, and I think that actually ended up leading to a lot of frustration, which is part of why I think Doublelift ended up leaving was that rift. That I think he finally got fed of. Like, I'm not just going to play. I don't want to just play weak side every game. Yeah. And we saw Broxa actually camping top lane a yeah. ton here in the spring, if you remember. So I actually think he wants to play that style. So I think this is going to be a, a like I said, a highly variant team. And I think they're just kind of trying to embrace that volatility with the, with the offseason moves. Yeah, there, there's like a certain philosophical uniformity to this team, right? Like it's not everything we want, but you can see that they're going in that direction. They identified that like that's – I mean, if you want to talk about branding, like yeah, this is like following their branding. Like the evil geniuses. We're just going to be wild and crazy or whatever. Like do, do we all agree that Impact is, is definitely not – just a weak side top laner. Like, I think we all understand that, right? We've been watching him for long enough. He's used the most that way, I think, because he can. But, like, Impact is really, really good still. And I'll mention that Impact always elevates when it matters the most, too, for what that's worth. He's clutch, if you want to say that. Go ahead, John. Sorry. I was going to say he's real similar to Long G. Long G can play all the carries, but the teams that he goes to just put him on tanks every game. And he looks good on the tanks, or he looks fine on the tanks, but... We always wonder, you know, are they going to bust them out in something yeah. a little bit crazier? If EG wants to bust this lineup out and have them go crazy, I would love to see aggressive impact, aggressive Svensk Garen, 
with Jazuke and Ignar. I think that could be really sweet. Um, I just hope that they don't have that sort of like conflict of of strategy between between those two groups of people. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I mentioned it in my write-up, but, like, the current state of the game, like, the current metagame, I think is a very good fit for this team. So, I think there's a decent chance that they're just good right now. Uh, like, I, I Ignore is, like, literally the person you want in the current metagame in the bottom lane. Like, I, I don't, I can't think of, like, I think Core JJ is, maybe, like, probably a better player. But you want Sword Art, you want Ignore, you want playmaking supports right now. Because, like, all those champions are, are the best support champions at the moment. And AD Carry is actually, like, more of a playmaking role right now than it is. You have stuff like Kaisa and Samira that are in the metagame right now. So I think, in terms of, like, explosive, wide variety of outcomes, like, Evil Geniuses are going to be the team that, like, beats Team Liquid and Cloud9 and then, like, loses randomly to, like, Immortal sometimes. Like, that's the way I look at this team. So, Yeah. Uh, and I think like it makes it's it's reflected in that we have them like kind of in the middle with like upside if it like if it works out. So anything else on EG? All right. I, you you mentioned the marketing thing. I just want to can we all take a second? Like that Jazuke flamethrower thing was that not the greatest thing you've seen? <laughs> so good. Oh, that was amazing. It was amazing. so good. Like I do love that the LCS teams are like FlyQuest had the whole like the the fish and and. The charity stuff all last season. Like, I do love that the marketing stuff that's, that's starting to pop up. Like, because they're just trying to be different. It's cool. It's cool. Um, I guess our composite fourth is Team Solo Mid. Maybe a little controversial. Knock Team- knock, Galati. Yeah. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> it's the it's the beer goggles beaver. I'm here to talk to you about TSM. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Josh is like, no, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. I'm taking you to a fantasy world, and I just need your responses to okay. this fantasy world. Pick a team in the LCS. I don't care what team it is, and say that you're a very large fan of this team. They're like, they're your team, and you root for them. And we're spring 2020. We're right in the midst of spring 2020. And I tell you, your team just picked up Hooney. How do you feel about it? Your team just is they picked up Hooney on the on the market and they're putting him in the top lane. Could be good. How do you feel? It could be good. Okay. You're you're in spring twenty twenty you're in summer twenty twenty. Your team just picked up Lost to play eighty carry for you. How do you feel? Excited? I'm feeling W H Omega Wolf about that one. There you go. It's mid summer before the tournament, twenty twenty. Your team just picked up Speak at a jungle for you. How excited are you? Okay, I disagree with this one, but I think Speak is good. Oh, wait, I mean, before, wait, in twenty the, summer twenty twenty? Before the playoffs of summer twenty twenty, TSM nobody thought TSM was good. And then they made a run in the playoffs yeah, I see and they won yeah. the playoffs. So all I'm saying is I think at least three out of five pieces of this team, there's not very many teams that I would have been excited about having picked these players up last season. If I was a Golden Guardians fan last season and you told me that we picked up Hooney or Spica or Lost, I would be infuriated. I'd be like, I can't believe we're wasting our time with these guys. But because they're on TSM and because they picked up Sword Art, suddenly everyone's got the beer goggles on and they want to think that this team's going to be so good because they've got... Even Power of Evil was awesome last year. But we've also seen Power of Evil for like five years. He's not always awesome. I disagree with that. I big time disagree with that. There have been plenty of splits where Power of Evil was a middle of the range of the league top laner or uh, mid laner. He's not always been like a top of the league top mid laner. He was last year. He was fantastic. I would would like to see these splits. 
Okay, we'll go back and we'll go we'll, back and we'll, talk. We'll about pull it some lot. of them but out. Like, all right, so this team at best has like two top five, like top three players at their position in the league uh, at best. Yeah, who are the two? Who are the two? Power of Evil and Sword Art are the only two that you can argue are like top three at their position in the league. All right, who and Spika and Lost are not top three at their position in the league. Who are the three junglers better than Spika in your opinion? Who are the three junglers that aren't better than Spika? Is the, <laughs> is the right, real so question. I think we should. I think, we, uh, let ahead. me answer the question real quick. So I do think Santorin's better. I think Blabber's better. Um, I think there's a there's a very I think Closer's Closer. better. I think there's a good chance that Jose Diodo will be better. I think Brox is better. I think like I don't think Spika is that good at all. I think Spika, like I'll be perfectly like I think Spika was like the, the key piece to that team, and I I did not think I would ever say that. Going like when they picked him up at the beginning of summer, I was like this could be a disaster. Or not even beginning of summer. It was like they went to him in the middle of summer, right? Like yeah, I was like this is. I had questions. I kept questioning it, and you know what? He just kept performing. He just kept performing. I he think Spika's actually just good. Now, there's a chance, I think, that, like, he was just running hot and we see him be just an average guy, like, just a body. Like, that's certainly possible. Maybe Bjergsen was was influencing a lot of it. But to me, like, he was the one making stuff happen. He was really consistent. And he got thrust into a situation like that and performed anyway. Now he's going to have a whole off season to work with this. I mean, I think I, I legitimately think, like, and I never ever thought I would say it, but I think Spika is actually good, and I think Spika is probably, I think he's in that echelon. I think Santorin's better than everyone. So, like, to me, Santorin's better, like, because he just does everything. So, to me, I have Santorin like kind of in his own tier, and then I have Blabber and Spika like in that next tier with a whole bunch of other people that I think have upside. And maybe that's a little hot takey, but like I think Spika's actually good. So I'm gonna reel this back into like the full thing for TSM, right? To me, TSM have crazy high upside, but I think this team is still tremendously overrated. I think everyone is so. So John, I totally understand what you're getting at in terms of they were they made these big flashy acquisitions in the off season, right? Everyone was point. Oh, Sword Art. He was just in the World Finals. Oh, they pick up Power of Evil. He was really, really good last season. Oh, they pick up Hooney or whatever. The fan base. You can't listen to the fan base for this team. To me, you got to look at what's there. And I see a league winning potential with this team. I don't even think there's a guarantee that Sword Art is going to be good. I, that so <clears> I wanted. To, I wanted. We should. We should, we should talk about that too. Um. Yeah, you know, let's just let's just go and we should just go player by player with this team. We might as well because we're gonna talk. We're gonna end up talking our everyone's ear off about TSM here, right? The thing people and tell me if you guys disagree with this. I, I think what people misunderstand about Sword Art is well, there's a lot of people that didn't watch the LPL first of all that just saw him at Worlds and just saw him in the World Finals and just see him making plays, right? The thing you need to understand about Sword Art is that he's a meta dependent support, at least in the context of the leagues he was playing in, which I think is important to distinct or to point out right in the lpl in the lms he was a meta dependent support he always has been he's good he's not great unless it's a meta that's good for him so until it became leona and alistair and thresh and like all these playmaking supports and nautilus right until it became an alistair right until it became that kind of metagame sword art is actually like way worse at everything else 
besides like the the top champions in his pool, which happen to be all that variety of champion, right? So in metagames where those aren't good, he ends up like Ignar, where he's forcing these weird he's forcing Alistair in a meta where Alistair's not getting played anymore. And he can make it work because he's pretty good, but he's not so good that he he's not like Marin, where he was he could play Rumble and non Rumble metas and make it look like God status, right? He's not that good at it. That said, he was doing this in the LPL and the LMS, and you could argue that that's a higher level of competition, and maybe he's going to be just so much better than everyone because he's been playing against better people. But uh, do, do we all agree that he's like a meta-dependent player and like he's probably overrated because of what he just did? So here's the thing. I, I can concede that he may be a meta-dependent player, but like, in what meta is Leona bad? Depends. World World's 2019, yeah, Worlds 2019. And again, this may just be because the way I prefer the game is to have like hard engaged champions that just team fight and win around objectives. And I think that actually I just don't think that ever goes away with as long as Dragon Souls in the game. Um so like I can concede that meta his meta like he might be meta dependent, but if he just plays hard engaged champions, as long as Dragon Souls around, that's always gonna be valuable. Yeah. I should but, add a caveat that like right now. It is a good meta for him still. Like, I was worried about that when they made this acquisition that the game would change that way, but the metagame right now, as it's looking, is still very, very good for him. So, John, I think up? it's really important. I just think it's really important to remember that we saw a very talented, mechanically talented, super aggressive player from overseas come into the league last year, and he was like just never gelled with his team. Jazuke yeah. never gelled with his team. Crown. The team looked terrible. When, when Jizuke first came in, we were like, Jizuke is going to straight up stomp these NA mids. Like, he's just so much more mechanically gifted than a lot of these NA mids. And then he came over, and honestly, I saw the first, I remember specifically having like some sense memories of the first couple games where he made like some elite plays in the river, like mechanical elite plays in the river, and his jungler was just not coming to help him, and he just died. The other team like just rotated over and killed him. And I was just like, see, that's the problem is his team would have just come help him there if, it was in the, if he was playing on his old team. So there's no there's a chance that Sorter just comes over here and ints every game. Yep. Like just, just keeps trying to start all these fights and all the SLCS guys are like, hold on a minute now, Sword Art. There's not a Baron up right now. We can't be fighting the enemies. <laughs> That's only reserved for Barons and ending the game. Uh, Alan, what do you what do you think? Is it <clears throat> have we, have we summed up Sword Art in in a way, or do we th- are you or do you think we're way off base? No, I think you're nailing it. I mean in. 2020 of spring you can go find it on uh, lcspicks.com i i wrote a piece in which i argued that uh sword art was overrated and washed and he was done and a liability and then he's just like dunking on jackie love at the world championship and that just sits out there on the internet with my name <laughs> attached to it so, uh, yes, I agree 100% about Sword Art. He, in a caster meta, he doesn't look good. He looks bad, but, uh, that's not the meta we're in. I mean, it's Leona Alistar. He's going to kick ass in, in the LCS. Chris, what do you think? For now. Yeah, for now. Like that, that's, that's the whole thing with this is like, he should be extremely good for now. And if he can make the transition from, you know, Asia to North America. Like that, that, like that, that's too pretty. I think, I think that meta thing is not a big if currently for the time being, but I think the, the, what John said, like it's the chance that he just doesn't make the transition cleanly and we don't see like real sword art until like summer or something like that. Right. Or maybe not at all. 
What do you think, Chris? Now, I'm always wary when it's TSM, and maybe this is like our team thing, when they bring someone over with all the hype, with all the greatness, and it started all the way when they brought it. Who was that jungler that they brought in from two years ago? But that faded. Mike Young. They brought it. Mike Young. Oh, my gosh. He looked so much better the year before that. I was like, hype. Okay. Next year, they bring in someone else. Where did they end up? Backslide. Yeah. Sword Art is, is um, I have every optimism to believe, or at least right now the way I rank them is Sword Art playing at his average. Um, can he be better? We expect it. Does that happen all the time? No, because LCS has a, some way to suck out all the talent that you have internationally. This is so true. <laughs> and then spit you back out and you're just... You're you're done. You just want to retire. I think, I think none of us are ever going to be the same after seeing like Crown, who was like legitimately like the second best player in the world or third best player in the world that year, just become nothing. Yeah. Like just become a complete dumpster fire. Like I, I don't think ever. I think we're never going to recover from that. That was so traumatizing that like we're always going to be skeptical, right? Mm-hmm. And then this might be a good segue into the next position. Now he has to babysit Lost, who I completely don't believe he's LCS at uh, quality type of ADC. I've seen him at, at, at play for uh, Fox. What's that? Uh, and then tried again in Academy. He wasn't even that impressive in Academy. Not for me, at least. So, was he a detriment in Academy more? Because, I, I mean, I've watched a couple games. I haven't watched, like, his full body of work or anything like yeah. that. Was he just kind of, like, a guy? Like, he's just, like, not, got, not He was bad. just a guy. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I viewed him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we we got hung up on Sword Art, but like, yeah, I guess that's a good transition to Lost. Like that kind of sums up thoughts there, right? Power of Evil, I think we all agree is good. Maybe you think he can have a bad season. Maybe you think he's one of the best mids in the league. But like, uh, like what, what's like the floor for Power of Evil? Like fourth best mid? Yeah, it's got to be right around there. Yeah, like he's Even, he's, I mean, he's good. He's very similar for me to Nuke Duck, although Nuke Duck had a very bad year last year. But those are two guys that like were always solid, but rarely in my consideration for like best player and at their position in the league. But always like top four. They're always yeah. They're always the third best mid laner. Yeah, they're always yeah right in that conversation, but never quite the best. And that's how I felt about Power of Evil for most of his career it was like third or fourth best mid in the league, but not a superstar. And then last year was the first time it was like this guy's actually superstar status in this yeah. league right now. So we'll see if that continues. So Spica, we already kind of touched on, and then um, Hooney. I think Hooney is... I think our, I think everyone's opinion on Hooney is going to be as variant as what we've seen from him in the last two years. Uh, I, I think how you... I legitimately think how you grade this team has more to do with Hooney than, than like all the other stuff. Because I think if you think Hooney can get back to like clutch level, which was just in 2019, by the way, do you think he can get back to that level? Then yeah, this team should be very, very good. If you think that you're going to see what you saw, if if you're more toward the end of the spectrum of him, inting inting his face off in Academy, then you're going to, you're going to obviously have a lower expectation for this team. So uh, like, where do we all fall on Hooney? Cause like to me, I think, all the academy shenanigans, all this other stuff was more like mentality stuff to me. 
Like, look, it's not professional. It's not good that he did that kind of thing. But, like, to me, I think if he thinks that his team's going to be good, then he's going to elevate and he'll play well. I so. think he's probably going to be Clutch Gaming Hooney again. The thing is, I don't think Clutch Gaming Hooney is, like, a top three top laner in the league. It's probably, like, a middle-of-the-league top laner for yeah, me. He's, like, the fourth fourth or fifth, probably. Yeah, and so I think we're, we're you're getting, like, the fifth best top laner or somewhere right around there, maybe fourth best top laner in the league. What do you guys think? So, not exciting, but not terrible. I'm fine with it. Josh, where do you have Hooney? Or where do you, where do you like, what, what are your thoughts on Hooney in general? Uh... So, okay. It's it's a problem because I hate almost everyone that was on the Clutch Gaming team that went to Worlds because I thought they got massively, massively overhyped for just being, like, very average and catching fire at the right time. So, with that in mind, I don't think Hooney's, like, I couldn't ever rank him above, like, top five. Like, to me, I don't think there's any way I would take him over any of Alfari, Impact, Licorice. Um, I, I would say Finn for his upside, and then... Probably Hooney. Yeah, maybe maybe Hooney's there at fifth, right? So I don't think I can rank him above fifth at the highest. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about him. I think he's going to be a highly variant player. I do... Oh, wait, I forgot Sunday, so never mind. So Hooney's yeah. definitely not higher than sixth, in my opinion, but he could be... Maybe him in the fin for five. Anyways, um, he's very good at, at champions that he's good at. Rumble and GP, he, he's very good on. But it's just a question of whether or not he can be consistent. I think the lack of consistency is just, like, not beneficial to a team environment. Like, if your teammates can't really realistically know what to expect from you, like, the thing we even said with the shy, we talked about him at length on this podcast. Even when he's feeding – He's still drawing three, four man pressures in the top lane and giving his team things to win at. When Hooney's feeding, he's just dying one v one over and over. So it's like even his level of play is not consistent. It just makes it hard to be a good to to be a like consistent team. I think. So I think that inconsistency is tough, but I do think he's you know around a league average top laner in his average game. You know what I mean? Alan, what do you think? Where do, you fall on the Hooney, where do you fall on the Hooney scale? All right. So you guys do the football references. I'm a big basketball fan. Hooney is the uh, Andrew Wiggins of of professional League of Legends. He looks like the greatest basketball player slash League of Legends player of all time. At times you've seen the flashes of the talent when he was at T1, when he was at Fnatic. But Sometimes you watch him play the game and you're like, you've, you've never even played this game before. <laughs> this is the first time you set your hands down on the keyboard and the mouse and you just did something that no one should do. So I really, I cannot project <laughs> where Hooney is going to be. If he is at T1 level, TSM could absolutely win the split. If Hooney is at, uh, feed the academy level where they're doomed. I think that's that's totally reasonable. Like I so I I had TSM I mean I guess just some granular like I had TSM in my S tier, like the bottom of my S tier. So like I had them third in the league. Let's see. Uh John had them fourth, but it's in like the next tier down above the Elite Three or below the Elite Three. Josh, I don't know if you tiered this uh Yeah, so you have them in like your second tier as well. 
Chris had them in his top tier. He had them uh, second. And then, Alan, you have them fifth, like in your in your second tier too. So some some – they're just a weird team because there's a lot of moving parts. And you can see the upside situations, but you can definitely see – like what's weird about this team is that the downside situations are very clear, Right? But I think, like, if you ask the average fan, they don't see those. But if you ask anybody that's paying attention to professional league and, like, watches the Eastern Leagues and has watched these players for multiple years, everybody sees the clear downside with this team. Like, this could easily end up being, like, the worst money spent, right? They spent a ton of money this offseason. Could easily end up backfiring. But I could I could see it being – I could see the upside for it, too. So, number two – oh, that was number four. Shit. <laughs> number three. 100 Thieves this is a team I think all of us are pretty high on, uh, some more than others. But I, actually, no, not even. Like we all have this team like at least fourth. It's the lowest, right? Yeah, we have two. Uh, John and Allen have them. S- no, John has them second. I have them fourth. Josh has them third, and Allen has them third. So, ah, good idea, Josh. Good idea. And Chris just doesn't exist, or what? Where's oh I have school over and Chris had three Chris had them at three Chris and I have uh, similar thoughts on this team we have them, like literally the same percent actually which is kind of cool um so hundred thieves are they it's it's Golden Guardians and someday it's Golden Guardians twenty summer twenty twenty and someday with Zix at the at playing you know at at head coach so we have someday closer Demonte FBI and Huhi. I mean, continuity, upside, high floor. There's so many good things to talk about for this yeah. team. Yeah. Their weakness last year was definitely the top lane. And they've gone and got someday, who's maybe the best top laner or among the best top laners in the league. They have continuity. Like Are you talking really about high. Golden Guardians or 100 Thieves? Because... Oh, Golden Guardians from last year. <laughs> um. They they have the consistency. They have another year together. One thing I really like about this team, though, is attitude. This team last year, if you were paying attention to their social medias, if you're paying attention to like them in interviews and stuff, this team's like super positive. All rally around each other. All believe in the in the team. That's a, the, one of the biggest reasons why I was so mad, like Allen was, when Golden Guardians just got rid of the team. It was like not only did you rebuild, like slowly rebuild, like a really good roster of young guys for the most part. But also, they all seem to really like each other. They have it good heads like on their shoulders. Yeah, positive guys. Like, this is the perfect team to have built up and then to just let it go. But they needed a top laner, and now they get Someday, who's fantastic. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about this team. I'll say I have them tied in my rankings with another team, but they're not really tied. It's that 100 Thieves has, like, a lot more upside than the team I have them tied with, but a lower floor. Like, this 100, this 100 Thieves team could could <laughs> blank out. <laughs> Josh, this hundred thieves team could could blank out. Josh, like, is that I, I enough? Could, I could see this this failing this experiment. Um, but uh, for me, I think they have higher upside than the other team that Josh is going to say is like definitely has more upside. But, we have, wrong, but we have to go directly to Josh now, right? <laughs> All right, I I, I, I preface this already. <clears throat> Demonte is the most overrated player in the LCS. He's not the best from NA. In the LCS. 
And thus, he's barely even a top five mid laner in the LCS. Again, in my not so humble opinion. Um, so yes, I, I, I have this team ranked third. I have them a clear cut below number two and number one that John does not have because he is on some sort of fun, you know, sort of something. I don't know what's going on over there in, in, in his, in his household, but something over there happened. And the pizza was just, you know, the, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think Hunter Thieves is good, man. They they have good players across the board. I think mid lane is going to be their draw. That is their downfall. Uh, I think while while any is overall, you know, you could argue a poor region. <clears throat> I do think we have some very good mid laners here. Not very many are domestic, obviously, but between especially with the signing of perks, you know, Jensen perks, Power of Evil, uh, Poe Belter, Insanity, Flash, and Ceiling. You have like just strong mid laners across the board. I do think DeMonte is a good mid laner, but I don't think he's an actual good mid laner. I don't think he's a good laner in and of itself. And in the meta right now and the meta we saw to end last year and sort of the way that the game is moving again, because the dragon soul is so important. Um, you kind of need to be good at the lane phase, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we, we just, and, and I, just another Jovi apologist. Let him talk. Right, right, right. <laughs> here, here we go. If you, if you want to, just lose brain cells, come in the esports department Discord <laughs> and, and look at John talking about Trophy's not good at League of Legends or something. <laughs> Al- Alan, Alan, I gotta ask you to chime in on this one. Like, so. I, yeah, I mean, I think they're just solid across the board. Uh, they picked up a, a roster that was, you know, beating top rosters at the end of last year and, and then added it to someday, who's the best top player in the league. So, so I think they're just good. I I do agree that Demonte is uh, the weakest point of this team and a little overrated. But I do think that like the meta is going to fit him at least at the beginning of the split, which is why I have them rated so highly because you know he's a pretty good TF player, pretty good Zoe player, those kind of mid laners that you can just shove and then get into the top lane and help someday carry so i i have a lot of uh i have a lot of hope for this team i think they're gonna be really good and i think they're a good bet for the uh lock-in tournament yeah we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that in a second but chris what do, what do you what do you think on yep. on 100 thieves we're all excited about 100 thieves and i would echo the sentiment that demonte was is probably and i'm gonna get blocked again by mama demonte for, <laughs> it's the weakest part of this team uh but the team showed the hundred guardians showed enough continuity uh, with one another uh, to, you know, be excited about. And someday, if the Monte fails, someday can pick up. Finally, they allow someday to be uh, a big part of their plan. I hope to see that. Now, the only thing that will uh, that's making me pause from putting them uh, straight out as number two is is the coaching. I don't know what it is yet. This team has find its way to disappointment, just like RNG does. So, my issue with the Golden Thieves is that I know they're going to be good, but I really have a hard time seeing them winning the split. That that's like that's my hang up here. So, like, I gave them a reasonable percent to like win. Like, I I mean, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the lock in in a second, but like, this team is good. 
I could see this team being like second, third, fourth, like fifth. I can't even like honestly, I don't even think the downside's that much. Like I think their downside's like fifth place, maybe sixth. Like this team is good. But I have a really, really hard time seeing them beating like the top two. And then I also think like TSM ceiling situation is just better than their ceiling situation. So <clears throat> um <laughs> no, I uh, I was gonna, I was just gonna say I do actually agree. I think people would think I wouldn't agree, but I agree with with Josh about uh, Demonte is the weakest part of the team. It's, and it's gonna hurt... I think that's all of us now. We all agree on that, right? Yeah, and I think it's gonna hurt them that the teams that they're competing with are are fairly strong at that position, yeah. especially Cloud Nine. That's obviously. why that's why I have such a hard time seeing them actually win the whole thing. But I think they have the best eighty carry in the league, and I think they have the best top laner in the league. And I think there's an argument that they have like a top two or three jungler in the league. I think they have a top. And I think three who he's been going. I think who. He and I think who he's been, has been doing great. So Demonte is the is the only weak spot. And so if he's if he's stepping up even a little bit for me, they have like every one of their teams like top three or four in the league. Josh. That's all they need. Go ahead, Josh. Okay, okay, okay. Couple steps back. One Sunday versus Alfari is gonna be interesting. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's right there. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not ready to just give him the outright crown. Uh, again, he's playing against the, the best top player that he played against last year was Impact, right? And Licorice. Yeah, maybe Licorice. Uh, yeah, Licorice and Impact. Uh, and, you know, Alfar is playing against, you know, Wonder, Whippo. I don't think there's any question that we would rate both those guys higher than Impact and Licorice. Um, but at 80 carry, I think, is where – I, I I actually so I think FBI is extremely talented. I do too. Uh, uh, flat out say that. I think he did end up getting a little bit more gas than was worth because I said it actually like all split. If you remember in the Discord, I was like, if teams don't ban Aphelios, bet Golden Guardians live every time. If they don't ban Aphelios first rotation, bet him because he was the best Aphelios player in the league. I felt it was all, was also the most broken champion in the game. So it's like. uh Gelati, I think Gelati said this about was it about Juan Fung when he was just playing MF every game? That's kind of how I felt about FBI a little bit. I do think he's supremely talented. I just don't know that I'm ready to give him the crown over someone like Tactical or even Sven at this point, just because he was very heavily reliant on Aphelios while he was broken. I hate John. I see that. The, the, I, the I dangerous thing about like, and this is just like a, a brief like ten second thing. The dangerous thing about about saying players that play a lot of one champion are, like, reliant on that, is that, like, sometimes it's not a... Like, sometimes it has nothing to do with that, and it's just, like, what's there, right? Like, if other teams are going to give it to them and they think it's the best champion, yeah, pick it every game, right? So, I do agree with you. FBI was probably the best Philios in North America. Actually, I don't know. I'm not really, probably, but... I'm really interested just to see who's better this split, Sven or Stix A. That, for me, is, like, a legitimate... I guess we should, we should transition, then, to keep this moving along, because we spent... You know, we turned into a TSM podcast for 20 minutes. Again. How many times have we turned into a TSM podcast in this offseason? I, I love how, like, the TSM thing, it's like, we're all trying to be the adults in the room and be like, listen, cool the Jets. Sword Art's not the best thing since sliced bread, but he is very good. And then we end up just talking about TSM for 20 minutes anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Our consensus top two. Uh... Some people included a third in this tier. Other people did not. Most, actually. Yeah. Some people, me and John included a third in this tier. Uh, everyone else did not. 
So it's Team Liquid and Cloud9. Uh, Cloud9 are actually second uh, in our composite rankings, but they're both very, very, very close. So uh, Cloud9, obviously, I, I I think we don't we don't need to spend too much. We we talked a lot about Cloud9 in the off season and the roster show, but I'll I'll just briefly touch on it. We, I want to get Alan's thoughts because Alan hasn't been able to chime in on all this stuff. So uh, obviously, Reaper is out as coach. We talked about that a lot. They're playing Fudge, Blabber, Perks, Zven, and Vulcan. So, I'm just gonna I'm gonna toss it directly to Alan because he's like the one person we haven't gotten thoughts on this about. It's a really good team. Yeah, <laughs> uh, probably the best team in the league to me. I think that they could argue that they have the best player in every position outside of top lane. Uh, obviously, top lane is just gonna be a wait and see situation for them. But otherwise, I I can't see any reason to dislike this team. I think some people got out on Blabber because uh, the meta shifted away from him, and I think that Cloud9 generally just didn't know what they were what they were about at the end of the season last year, and he caught a lot of the blame for that. I think that he's still a very good player and still a very good prospect, and I'm sure that he's been practicing the Graves, the Nidalee, all of that stuff in the offseason and is going to show up well on those at the beginning of the year. So so I rank Cloud9-1. I have them tied basically with Team Liquid. I think that both of these teams are very, very good. I actually think that these are the two most competitive uh, international North American teams we've had in a long in a long time. So, so I'm really excited about both these teams. I think Perks is going to be, you know, the best, the best player in NA the, the instant he touches ground. So I guess a few weeks ago, he became the best player in NA and um, I'm, I'm really excited for them. Yeah. We, we, we talked a lot about this team in our roster shows. We talked a lot about the bull case, the bear case, like what could go well, what could go bad. Has, has anyone's thoughts wholesale, changed like big time or like any any minor adjustments you're making to anyone that's talked about cloud nine before mine haven't i just want to uh was it chris chris or john i mean both of you that you guys have them three four i'm just curious to get your guys's opinion on like what what like okay so so to me i guess for cloud nine versus uh 100 thieves for example they have the better player at mid jungle and support for me at the very least. So I'm curious if you disagree with that. And if so, like what positions you think are, are different because you both yeah. have. I, I think the only place that cloud nine definitely has the better player is in the mid lane. I think in the jungle, there's a, there's a very good argument that closer is better than blabber at support. Vulcan has had periods where he was definitely better than who he, and has had other periods where I didn't think he was anywhere near as good as who he. So it's like, for me, I don't know for sure. I could see Vulcan come in and be better than who he for sure. But I don't think that's a guarantee. I personally think closer is better than blabber, but I, I think that's kind of close at 80 carry. I think it's like a huge advantage to hundred thieves. And in the top lane, it's a little hard to say fudge was very good in Academy, but I mean, some days also very good. So it's pretty tough to, to say exactly how that will go. But for me, I, I feel like, and especially when you switch that conversation from like 100 Thieves to Team Liquid, like I just feel like they definitely only have the best player at one position when when compared to Team Liquid. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's like, how how good is Perks? Is like the question. You think, think Sandhorn is also better than Blabber then? It yeah. sounds like we're close. Gotcha. I think Blabber looked exceptional in a very 
tiny period of meta where he was playing very specific champions and I mean, hasn't looked that good outside I mean, of the dude, he was very good for like literally six months, seven months. Like, <laughs> you're also counting in between seasons, though. If you look at actual games, he was exceptional for like 15 games. All right, so like like half a split, you know. I guess that's fair, but like I, for what it's worth. I did. I isolated just summer, and he's still graded as the second best jungler to me. That's from a statistical standpoint, right? And that's including like their collapse in the second half, right? So, I think I do think that there's a case to be made. Like, I think that's a reasonable argument. I I have the two of them pretty close. Uh, I agree. I agree. Like, I think the only place that they're definitely better, like for sure, is mid lane. And that's if Perks makes the transition. I do think like seventy five percent Perks is still probably the best mid laner in this league, besides maybe Power of Evil. So, I mean, it's pretty hard to like. I, I'm I'm basically not going to hear any arguments that Perks isn't the best mid laner, and I'm and I'm saying that as someone that's probably more toward the bear side of the situation. In that, I think everyone's just assuming this is going to be a clean transition, but it's pretty hard for me to see Perks not being the best mid laner. That said, yeah, I. I Strictly on 100 Thieves, I, I I mean, yeah, I guess we'll compare it to the other teams. Like, I think 100 Thieves is a better bottom lane. I think the top lane, yeah, I could see it, but same thing. Who else are we talking I think even TSM, honestly. Like, I, I'm also just really down on Sven. I think Sven's not that good. And I think we saw that in, in – we saw in Spring Split, he didn't have to do much. He, he reaped a lot of benefits of the team being good around him. And he made he, – he did a lot of good things in Spring Split, for sure. I think come summer split when everything wasn't going perfectly well, we saw the real deal, and this bottom lane was kind of a liability, right? They were they're, they're certainly good. I'm not saying they're bad players, but like of the quality that that team had, they were the weak link, right? So I actually have more questions. Like I put so I had Cloud Nine second. Like I have Liquid above everyone else, and we'll touch on Liquid in just a second. I have Liquid like half a tier above everyone else, and then I have like Cloud Nine and TSM there, and then I have. Like hundred thieves, like a half tier, just because I I do have some questions about the ceiling for some of these players. So, it, it the, the cool thing about this is like it's interesting to see how everyone has this divvied up. Like John has, John has a similar breakdown to me, where it's like he has like well you you switch hundred thieves and TSM, but you have like a like liquid above everyone else, and then half a tier, and then like the next group, and then a big drop off. Right? Josh has the clear top two, and then a big drop off. Chris has the clear top two and or has a clear top one and then like he has three people in this mid tier. And then Alan has I'm scrolling over. Alan, you're just like super stratified. You're the same way. You have a, a top two is like super clear and obvious, right? So it's interesting to see like where that's why we do things this way, is because I like to see like where you think like how big of a gap actually is there, right? So we we've talked a lot about Cloud Nine. I don't want to take any like that much more time on it, but let's briefly touch on Liquid, and then you know we've basically explained our tiers already. So I'm going to be putting the tier list that we have here. I'm going to be putting them in the show notes in a graph form so that everyone can take a look at them. So definitely feel free to check that out. Rate, review, and subscribe while you're at it. By the way, um, we haven't gotten a review in a while. We used to have so much fun with reviews. Everyone just stop reviewing. Come on, guys. I still see people downloading. I still see people listening. I know you're there. Leave some reviews. Leave some love. Um, anyway, I guess we'll touch on Liquid. Um, obviously, we could talk to death about Cloud9 for sure, and we're going to touch more on them in, in the lock-in in just a second. But Liquid uh, was our composite number one, but again, very, very close to Cloud9. It was you know, only a couple a couple places apart. So Liquid, basically, 
Same coaching staff. Add a couple people. They add Alfari in the top lane. They add Al- Santorin in the jungle. And then it's going to be Jensen Tactical and Core JJ again. To me, this team doesn't have a weakness, period. Like, th- that that's why I had them number one. Like, they don't have... Like, I mean, to me, the weakness for this team is, like, tactical is not as good as he was last year in his rookie season. Sometimes we see these rookies that pop kind of come back down to earth, whereas most people most people mature in their sophomore year, but a lot of these rookies that were, like, really, really good and set really high expectations tend to regress a little bit. Maybe Alfari doesn't make the transition, and basically that's it for me. Like, that's – all of these players are such high floor. The only question you're asking is whether or not – Alfari can get integrated, and I think you could say the same thing about Perks, to be honest with you, and then whether Tactical can repeat his performance, because everyone else, we've seen their worst and we've seen their best, right? And I think, like, the worst case for a lot of these players is, like, still one of the better players in the league at their position, so feel free to tack on. Jump in and jump in as you see fit. <laughs> yeah, I think Team Liquid... Yeah, I don't think the LCS has any teams that are fail-proof. I'll say that before I yeah. go in. I think Team Liquid is has some chance of not having a good split here. Uh, like Santorin is a guy that has had a number of bad splits in his career. He was excellent last year. He's had a number of at least mediocre. I shouldn't say bad. He's never been like a bottom three jungler in the league or whatever. But he's had a lot of fifth place in the league type splits where he wasn't the best jungler in the league like he was last year. Um, Jensen, I think, has slowly gotten worse over time. Um, I don't think he's bad, don't get me wrong, but I think he's he was better two years ago than he is now, in my opinion. Um, and Alfaro, we don't know for sure that that transition is going to work out well. So, I mean, I, this team's not fail-proof either, but I do think this is your your favorite in my eyes. Most people are viewing it to be Cloud9, but I think four out of five positions, this team's better than Cloud9. If they can survive perks, then, you know, we never know how everything's going to go in the new season either. Fudge yeah. might come into the league the best player. Blabber might come in the best jungler. We never know for sure, but if we're going off the last thing that we've seen, um, I would say TL has four out of five positions better than, than Cloud9, so I would expect them to win the league on on average more often than anyone else. Yeah. Jumping off on that point, the reason why I don't have Cloud9, uh, I probably have Cloud9 one of the lower ones, they're four for me, is because, you know, the coach, Reaper, I haven't seen C9 without Reaper before. And Reaper, like we mentioned, we went off the list of players that used to be on Cloud9. We were not, like, excited about them, but Reaper brought out the best. Yeah. He brought out the best in Sven. He brought out best in Blaber. Smoothie. Talking, yeah, Smoothie. <laughs> Definitely Smoothie. So TL is a clear-cut top just because of, again, we, we were very excited about the coaching staff, and that was only year one. And it's building on. They got rid of their biggest liability, which um, also is uh, one of the LCS best ADC, but maybe it's past his time. Now this team can come together uh, another year with Tactical, another year of growth with him, and uh, just it, it doesn't have to be on Jensen, right? This team can operate fully from top to bottom, and uh, I think they, they, they're they solid overall, and they have a solid uh, plan that can uh, go over whatever, whichever meta they have to uh, adapt to. I'm gonna throw it to Alan here because I think I mean, we've all we've all talked a lot about these teams, but uh, we haven't gotten Alan's Alan's thoughts on it. So, I think that Santorin is like a laner's favorite jungler of all time. He's going to make every laner he's ever played with look just 
better. I mean, last year that wasn't a hundred percent the case because he was in that power for farming level, but still he, you know, he still made power Viva look incredible. There were times where people were talking about him as like MVP of the league. So I think that, you know, team liquid has very serious, very good laners in every lane. Core JJ, Jensen, Alfari could all be the main reason why Team Liquid wins a game. And then they're supported by someone who just loves to like feed his teammates. It's it's the perfect situation for Santorin. So I love this pickup. And uh, I think, you know, Team Liquid's probably the the 1B to Cloud9's 1A for me. I think that's that's totally reasonable. So, yeah, that's uh, every team. We spent a long time on it, but um, I guess we'll kind of just transition that into um, the lock-in tournament, which starts on Friday. So, I released a futures article. I think Alan, you've got something up for like plays that you like as well. Uh, just in general, I think. I guess we'll touch on the. So we have the two group format: round robin, best of one. We mentioned earlier. The playoff is going to be – it's going to be eight teams, and you're going to be playing teams from the opposite group. So before we even dive into the actual matches, I just want to take like a couple seconds and say, first of all, Group A is just really stacked. Like I'll, I'll just read the groups off real fast. So like Group A – where did I put this? Is it gone forever? Oh, no, I have it right here. Group A is 100 Thieves, Counterlogic Gaming, Golden Guardians, Team Liquid, and TSM. Would have been a lot more stacked – if CLG were playing their actual starters, I think, now that we know that it's going to be Solo and Keel from the Academy League, maybe there's some questions there, and the team probably hasn't a lot of time to practice, but that top three is pretty strong, even if you're down on TSM, I think that top three is pretty strong, right? Just to, we didn't elaborate on that yet. Yeah. So, the CLG's having some visa issues that's not allowing Brox and Finn to be in the U.S. right now. They also had a COVID outbreak on the team yeah. because practicing together at the facility, and someone had COVID, the whole team got COVID. They're now social distancing and they should be ready to go for the uh for the tournament, but they won't they're they're preparing to play without Finn and Broxham. Yeah. Um Group B is gonna be Cloud Nine, Dignitas, Evil Geniuses, FlatQuest, and Immortals. So significantly more top like not even top heavy, like it's it's Cloud Nine with a bullet in this group, right? So here's the way I'm looking at this tournament. In terms of, like, outrights, I guess I'll say. All of the teams, from, everybody that gets out of the group is going to play in the first round of the knockout stage, like the playoff, is going to play a team from the other group. They're not going to play the same group again. So the way I looked at this and the way I put together my, my futures for this is I just took, like, all Group A teams. Basically, it's basically a parlay against Cloud9 is what it ends up looking like, right? Yeah, I think like FlyQuest and maybe Evil Geniuses could could pop a little bit and they could make some noise, but I think generally the way I constructed everything was I took the teams, all the non-Golden Guardians teams from Group A and had, you know, weighted stakes in each of them because each of those teams is going to face three out of four of those teams are going to face a non-Cloud9 team in the knockout stage. Now, another thing I want to mention with this tournament is that we don't know how this is going to go. This is the first one that's like it. We don't know if it's going to be like Demacia Cup and some teams care and some teams don't. Some teams are, you know, going to switch players a lot. They're going to play subs. We don't we don't know how the LCS is going to treat this team. I think I think there's a reasonable chance that 
this is like a slightly taken more seriously like Demacia Cup, where we don't get like full academy teams, but maybe on day two we see a bunch of rookies and academy players. Do, do you guys think there's a real threat of that, or do you think there's more teams are going to want want to win this because it was the first one? Like, wh- like where along that spectrum are you versus like total like full on like Kespa Cup where teams are literally just sending their academy team out, like not even playing the starters versus super try hard trying to win this thing. I I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I don't think the teams are going to shoot hard to win this thing. Like, I don't think they're going to treat it like the, you know, summer playoffs or whatever, or even spring playoffs. But I also don't think they're just going to, you know, I don't think they're going to A-ram at every game. I think you're likely to see some weirder picks, some more fun strategies, but they're going to be playing to, to try to win, even if they're doing something a little unconventional or whatever. I think it'll be a little bit more for fun than regular season games would be my estimate. Alan, what do you think? From what I can gather from all of the like journalists in the space, it seems like the teams are at least going to start with their main rosters. So that tells me right away that they're at least taking it a little more seriously than the Kespa Cup. So I would I would agree with John. I think there's a chance that, you know, they try stuff out and they're not, you know, showing their best stuff, but I I think it's reasonable to bet on the best teams to win this tournament. Josh? I think that uh, teams will definitely try things out. Like, the LCS seems like like they don't even take scrim seriously in this region. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we hear stories every year about teams not trying scrims. Like, F- the teams FF and scrims. Like, Team Liquid was FFing in scrims. Like, what? Well, no, it was Cloud9 was talking about that last season. Like, nobody wanted to scrim them because they were losing all the time. Yeah, no, but Doublelift was talking about how, like, they have gone mental boom in scrims, and their team was FFing in scrims when he was on TL. So it's like – and they were, like, you know, thought of as, like, the best team or second best team. So it's like – I don't know. I just don't trust the region to take it seriously, I guess. Um, I hope they do. Like, I hope for the best for this region, but it's just, it's just hard to be excited about it because – they just don't seem to take things too seriously here. And, and, you know, with, with the excuse of even just one team in CLG not having their full roster, I could see teams just being like, eh, screw it. Let's just have fun. I do think, I think you're going to see like a little bit of everything. Like, I think you're going to see some teams that, that care. Some teams, the other thing that I didn't touch on is some of these teams have actually had more time together, right? I mean, obviously CLG, they're having these visa issues, but, even without that happening, we don't know how long that process has been a struggle, right? Like, that could have been something that happened last week and is now a thing, and they just signed someone today or, or or the other day. That could have been something that's been happening for a month, and they haven't gotten any practice together, right? Like, I, I'm using, that's a bad example because they have people, like, literally overseas. But some of these rosters came together at later times than others. Some of them have been working the whole offseason. Some of them assembled the rosters but haven't been practicing until a certain amount of time. I think you're probably going to be able to tell right away who looks pretty sharp and who doesn't. So I think this is going to be, especially given the short format of this tournament, maybe not overreact to what you see, but definitely place some emphasis on if a team looks sharp versus not. More than I think you would in like another tournament where like like later on in the year where you know what that team is for the most part. Right now we don't we're not privy to a lot of that stuff, right? So I think you're going to have to use your eyes a little bit more than than any other anything else in this tournament, and I think you're going to have to make quick adjustments. Uh, any 
big picture thoughts on like are you fading favorites? Are you not playing any futures for this? I think I don't know, and and we'll kind of get to this later. Oh, pretty late in the show, but yeah. you might get to this a little bit later. But like with just with the way the early LPL has sh- has shaken out, I'm like so hesitant to take any favorites. But it's also really weird because top like destroyed the Mossy Cup, and now they're getting destroyed in league play. I, That's weird. I, I, I mean that that leads just a whole different beast, but that makes me hesitant to want to take any any dogs here, um, and maybe that's incorrect, but but that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. It's just like I'm not sure I I, re- I really want to take any dogs in this spot, or I mean, sorry, any favorites, not not dogs. I, I'm I'm I'd be more interested nothing. in the dignitas and and all those things. Yeah, I mean, I think that the teams that we know have been together. Cloud Nine, I think Perks arrived last week or whatever. Alan mentioned it earlier. I think Alfari's been in NA for a bit now. Um, so like TL is probably in a good, in a good spot, but I think, you know, those teams that we know and their studs, we're probably not going to go against them, but if the number's big enough, I'll probably take a shot. You know, why not? Um, but, but yeah, it's going to be hard for me to want to back favorites here, I think. Any disagreement with that? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, was looking at the futures market for this and if you make a biggest stake on team liquid and just fade cloud nine across the board you can get team liquid tsm 100 thieves evil geniuses and FlyQuest, and guarantee a profit there i think that those are probably the only teams i would like to take a shot on i know vince is a little higher on clg i was higher on clg oh yeah that's right now i don't know if i would right right yeah they're out so so i think like that's you know, that's a pretty good uh, a set of teams that you could use to hedge if, you know, they get into a final against someone that you don't have. Yeah, I think I've taken the same approach. Sean, what about you? Are you just kind of... Yeah, I'm, I bet a couple futures, mostly on teams that were fairly long shots, because I do think there's some chance that there's something that we haven't seen before. Like a roster comes out and just looks way better than we were expecting, or another roster comes out and looks way worse than we were expecting. Not like Dignitas, but uh, I, I was in there betting on on FlyQuest and Evil Geniuses and teams like that that I think are capable of a high ceiling tournament. Um, for the most part, I think probably under like underdogs that aren't the worst teams in the league are going to be good bets. I think like I, I'm not messing with Dignitas no matter what, but like uh, it's when CLG is an underdog, I could see betting on them. FlyQuest, Evil Geniuses. Whenever Cloud9, Team Liquid, and 100 Thieves play each other, if the number is good for the underdog, I think going with the underdog could be good. So, so yeah. Remember, we haven't seen these teams in a while. Yeah. So we'll uh, anyone, anyone else just hear John say he's betting on Solo? That's what I heard. Ooh. <laughs> wow. That might have to be the name of the episode. No, we have to, I, have to, I have to label these like the preview shows or whatever, but... Let's yeah. So, yeah, we're going to do this a little different. Rapid fire. We're going to rapid fire through the LCS lock-in first two days late. Obviously, this is going to change as we see stuff, but I think you get a good vibe for what we're going to do. Rapid fire. 100 Thieves, plus 112 against TSM, minus 149. 100 Thieves. 100 Thieves. Probably going to be 100 Thieves, too. Pass. Yeah. I do think that's fair, like pretty close to fair. Um, CLG, plus 304. Liquid, minus 455. Pass on COVID logic gaming. COVID logic gaming. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, pass makes sense. Mid gap CLG. Wow. 
Pasadena Trina for me. Um, Dignitas, plus 189, FlyQuest, minus 256. Maybe a reasonable favorite to take? This is, like, one of the only real bettable favorites on this entire thing. It's, like... Yeah. FlyQuest yeah, kill spread. FlyQuest kill spread, yeah. It's probably going to be, like, six and a half-ish. Golden Guardians, plus 193. CLG, minus 256. Ugh. Probably Golden Guardians now, right? Yes, yeah. it's got to be Golden Guardians, 100%. Yeah. Easy. Close your eyes special, right? <laughs> uh, Immortals, plus 196. EG, minus 270. EG kill spread. Yeah, I, I really like EG there. I don't, I'd, I'd take the shot on the Immortals. Yeah, you know what? Now I'm thinking yeah. about it more. I think Immortals. Probably like small stuff. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Immortals there, but interesting. Yeah. Uh, Golden Guardians plus 338. TSM minus 526. Uh, it's Golden Guardians or nothing, right? You can't touch go next. that. Go next. C9 minus oh, 417. <laughs> C9 minus 4.17, FlyQuest plus 2.83. FlyQuest probably worth a shot there, right? I could see you taking a shot on FlyQuest there. That seems like one of the matchups where like almost 300 is a pretty big number. It's probably going to be if like it, an eight and a half, nine kill spread. If ever there was a player that's not going to give a shit about the LCS lock-in, it's a uh, perk. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, very <laughs> Unless the shy comes over to play, I think you, you have to be tougher to find somebody else that would give us. <laughs> Literally, Insulox Timo mid wins the game anyway, and everyone's perma tilted. Just be like, oh god, this season really is going to be a disaster, isn't it? Right. Uh, Immortals plus one twenty one Dignitas minus one sixty seven. Give me Immortals all day. This is like pick of the week worthy almost. That's very easy. Why is Dignitas favored? Because the hell it finished. No, why? Why is Dignitas favored? The books have seen their names before. <laughs> I have no like idea. literally, they didn't even finish that order, right? Like, am I wrong? Like, Immortals was like eight, nine, were they eighth or ninth last season? Dignitas was last, right? Or am I forgetting things? No, I think you got that right. What gives? Anyway, it, it... nothing gives. The books give. That's a gift. Take it. Um, that's that's like literally pick of the week worthy. I think pretty close to it. Um, CLG plus two thirteen hundred thieves minus three twenty three. Uh, this might be a hundred thieves kill spread. If it's like seven and a half, pass or kill spread. That's fair. All right, we're pretty far into the show. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but we did get LPL and LCK started. LCK started this morning. LPL's been going for. Uh, we're going into the sixth day, I think now. So it started Saturday morning. We'll go through this. I guess, like, give your initial thoughts on the league. I, you know, let's give thoughts as we go on teams. That'll be faster that way. Um, LPL first. You were just, like, rapid fire doing picks at the end. We ran way long on the LCS. So just, it'll be all right. It'll be enjoyable anyway. Friday morning, we have Rogue Warriors. Fresh off their upset of top esports. Minus 227 against E-Star at plus 167. He started taking game is at minus one eighty five. Rogue Warriors plus minus two twenty seven. Man, that's what that's universe tough. are we living in? That's tough. It, it almost feels like you like. I almost feel obligated to bet E Star, even though Rogue Warriors is clearly better than them. I almost feel obligated to do it because this has to be at least some kind of overcorrection from them beating yeah. top. Man, it feels like I just 
I don't know that I can get away with not betting E-Star here, even though I hate betting E-Star too, because I'm not a big fan of what they've been doing. But if if you consider, all right, so I know I know just from experience now that like to some extent books use ELO like an ELO rating system to some extent, right? This is just like what happens when a 1500 rated player beats a 3000 rated chess grandmaster. They get like plus 200 points, right? And the chess grandmaster loses 200 points or some obscene amount. It's not like LP in League of Legends except to an extreme, right? And that's that overcorrection, right? They they just got boosted up cuz they got a big win against this and even in a even in a larger sample size, that's a big enough gap that it's going to pop. We all know how high the books were on top esports. They were what, like plus one eighty to win the split or whatever it was, right? I can take a look right now, real quick. Top top were plus one fifty to win the split. Rogue Warriors were plus twelve thousand. So that's like a big. It's going to be a correction there, right? I, I feel I feel you, John, in that like we probably. It feels bad taking Rogue Warriors, but I I. This is probably just E Star. You're right. Is there any justification otherwise, Alan or Josh? Talk, talk me out of taking like a, like a Rogue Warriors minus one and a half. I think that I should probably own a stake in E-Star at this point, the amount of times that I've bet on them as the underdog last year and this year <laughs> and lost money. I feel like they owe me money at this point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with them again. I mean, it's a complete overreaction to what Rogue Warriors yeah. did against Top Esports, who are just kind of a mess right now. I thought that Rogue Warriors obviously looked pretty good in, in in that game, but I, I just don't know what to take from early season LPL ever. Yeah. So, so I'm just, I'm betting you star here. Josh. Support cap, you star. Fair enough. The PP got himself, right? Or no, that's Chelsea. Chelsea, I'm an idiot. My bad. I just watched 635 this morning. I just finished watching VODs before you got on here. Sorry. <laughs> um, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea is, by the way, even in that in, in the games that they lost, Chelsea was an absolute maniac the other day. So, guy has not lost a step. He's been playing for a long time, by the way. Long. Chelsea and, and, and Sword Art, this LMS supports something to it. Um, top Esports, speaking of. All right, Top Esports minus 303, Rare Adam, which is Vici, plus 211. So, this will be Rare Adam's first game. And top esports third. Do we think that? Okay, so I'm very, very bullish on Rare Adam going into this season, but I also think that there's a like there's a reasonable case to be made that this is like a buy low for top esports too. Like, is is everyone overreacting to this? Because I think everyone's overreacting to it, but I still kind of like Rare Adam here, just not as much as I would have at an older number, right? Is is the end of top esports nigh? I don't think the end of top esports is nigh. At the same time, for a rare Adam team that, like, I think a lot of people kind of like, like, have looked at this roster and think they could be all right, and with seeing top esports struggle already in their first two matches, I think I'm going to end up passing. But if you wanted to bet rare Adam, I wouldn't be mad at you at all. Yeah. I think there's a reasonable argument for that, given that you've seen it's not like you're betting, you know, the, the worst team in the league against top. This team had it like this. This rare Adam team had a has a lot of reasons to maybe be behind them and top looks like they're struggling a little bit. So I think I'm going to end up passing, but if you want to bet rare Adam, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yell at you. 
Alan Josh. I think you should take Radham at plus one and a half on this one. Like Top has shown that they're uh, not ready to just stomp teams yet. And uh, Vici was was a solid team at the end of the split. I think they were much closer to a playoff team than a non-playoff team last year. So, so I like that they basically kept the same roster together and have another year of continuity. And I think they take at least a game off of uh, of t- top esports who's struggling right now. I'm trying to look at so top did two of them in the summer. That was a while ago, but I was just curious. I had to look it up. Yeah, I, I do think what's interesting here is that like this line probably was like a lot better for Rare Adam earlier in the week before Top lost two series. So I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I know I did. I, I bet it already like earlier in the week, but I'd have to pull it up right now, but I've I've seen it around minus one thirty today for the plus one and a half even. Yeah. So that's that's better than you know what we yeah. So this earlier. this is like one of those weird spots where it feels like it's like you can you can like lose closing line value on something, and if it's still a value, it's like probably still worth a position. I kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's not as good as it would have been, but it's probably still worth a position at this number to like still. So. <laughs> I'm going back to my ways. This is top minus one and a half all the way. I might even make the pick of the week. Give is, me plus money on, on night to absolutely body Fofo all day. Is this like, yeah, I was going to say, that's the other narrative to the spot, it. which is it. like, the other the other angle to this is like, is this just full on get right spot? Is this like just what the doctor ordered for top after two weird outings to start the season? Look, I, I hate narratives as much as the next guy. You guys, every, everyone who listens to the show knows I'm, I'm a numbers-based guy. I am a former athlete, and I do know that, like, after you've heard enough, you just snap. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. In a day, enough is enough, bro. We've lost two series where we're supposed to be the best team in the world. Like, it's going to be nut up or shut up. And if I'm if I'm night, I'm telling Carson, it's look up or shut up. Like, either we win the series or you're done. Like, I'm done with you. Yeah. And How I'm, do you know that he doesn't just snap and sleep with Joe's girlfriend, though? And <laughs> just backstage issues and, you know, I mean, you never know. Well, first off, because Juan Fang was with Zuo's girl. Anyways, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, is it, Godfather Juan Fang. <laughs> Has Josh just become the watch of, uh, of the LPL? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I seriously think, like, Tommy Sports is just going to. This is a spot for me where, like, I, I do. I despise narratives, but at some point, enough is enough. And to me, it's a spot for that. Um, Rare hasn't played a game yet. Top has played, was it, is it five or five, yeah. six? Um, and like, you know, why you could argue that, you know, what Vince always says, this is the most prepared Rare and will be for a game all year. I still think that like, I'm just, it's hard for me to bet against like top just turning back and, and snapping. Yeah. It's, I, I'm almost like, so like I bet against top in both of the losses so far. Right. And I still <laughs> that that's like my hesitation. I was like, I already went against them twice, right? And I was like, okay, like those were I evaluated those as like good positions to have the numbers were just too exaggerated. You were paying too much of a premium for top esports, right? But like I almost wish they won one of those so that I could get because I'm high on Rare Adam and I want them to, like I wanted a good spot on this. But like now that they've lost two, it definitely just feels like Tom Brady FU modes, right? Like it really does feel that way. So I'm a little little less skeptical on it. I'm, I'm glad I got it at a better number that I am not remembering off the top of my head. I think it was like 260 maybe, 250, something along those lines. So I got a little bit better number than this. But I, I still think this is probably 
rare atom or pass. But I could I, I can totally see that case, Josh. Like hundred percent. Like sometimes you just gotta ignore you gotta know the situation and ignore what you know, what everything else says, so Top East, uh victory five. Minus five fifty six against L G D, who we have not seen yet. Uh, I think we're gonna see L G D Thursday, right? So they'll play Thursday and then they have an off day and then play against Saturday. I'm gonna double check that real quick. So L G D are plus three forty eight. Uh L G D to take a game at plus one oh three. Oh no, this will be L G D's first game. Sorry. LG L G D money line for me. I'd, I'd take any L D L team pretty much at, at uh plus three fifty against victory five. I don't have them as a top half team in the league, so I would take almost anyone at those odds. It's just a full pass for me. I think I think the line looks pretty pretty good. I do have victory five in the in the top half of the LPL, so I think this is an LGD in the bottom half. So I think this is right around right. I have LGD in like my dumpster fire tier, basically, but I'm not. There's no way I'm laying this kind of money with victory. This is probably just a pass for me. Yeah, straight pass here. I can't see can't see myself wanting to bet LGD, but victory five is not good enough for minus five fifty six. Pretty much against anybody for me. Yeah. I think I think especially I've I've talked about this a lot. We talked about it last week, especially early in the season. You're paying a premium for favorites, so you've really, really got to be certain in any favorite that you back early in the season because it's you're just paying extra for them essentially. So, and then you're also going against all sorts of stuff that we've talked about before: early season volatility, all that kind of stuff. So you've really, really got to have like a massive edge on that favorite to back them at the price that they're at, so this is a pass. Um, let's see. Next up we've got, this is maybe the best match of the weekend. There's, I think there's, uh, the other one is pretty good too. There's two, there's two really, really marquee matchups in the LPL this weekend. Uh, EDG plus 156 against Fun Plus Phoenix minus 213. Uh, yeah, interesting. We, we got to see our first taste of Fun Plus Phoenix yesterday. A two o OMG who is not very good. <laughs> I think is the the simplest way to put it. Some promise, but not very good. And then EDG kind of had uh, what did EDG do? I'm just EDG we saw play against the same thing, same opponent already. So they played OMG on the first day of the season, and they went to one. So pretty convincing in their two wins, but they did they did have the the game where Aki kind of went nuts. So. Yeah, this one's tough because actually, I actually thought FPX looked better in their first series than EDG did against the same opponent. Coming into the season, I would have liked to be higher on EDG than FPX. I was kind of like ballpark with those two teams around each other, and I kind of wanted to lean EDG ahead, but I did think FPX looked better in the first series. I could maybe find myself betting EDG in this match because 156 is a decent size number. I don't think I would touch Fun Plus. I have these two teams right. I mean, I'm kind of starting these two teams out pretty even, and I'm not going to put too much weight on what we just saw unless there was like an absolute, you know, red flag, like a million red flags. And I didn't really see anything to dissuade me from changing my opinion on the first series. This is a unique situation that we, they both played OMG for their first series, which is you don't see that too often. What do you think, Alan? I, I'm I'm probably going to be on EDG money line here, just because I think, like maybe I think Fun Plus might be a little better based on what we've seen so far, but like not this much better. I think that 
what you guys said is reasonable. I think I'm just going to pass and watch and try and learn about where each of these teams is because I, I don't have a good feel. I think I have them right next to each other. So I think it's just going to be a, a pass for me because FVX did show better in their first game. Yeah, Josh is on EDG for this. He had to step out for just a second. Uh, next up on Sunday, we have LNG minus 435 against TT or formerly Dominus at plus 285. Dominus take a game at minus 119. So I'm going to be on Dominus here, and i got to explain why, because everyone's freaking out because LNG just won 2-0 this morning. And uh, they just they won 2-0 this morning against Invictus, who looked ridiculous in their first series against JDG. So I wrote about this in my write-up this, like, this afternoon. Anytime you have certain situations where there's some amount of variance or luck to it, you have to be really careful about how you evaluate that team. Now, I'm not saying this morning was all luck at all because the LNG's bottom lane just, like, completely dominated both games in that series this morning. Like, they they just put Balan and Wink in a dumpster, right? But I think you also have to consider that when you're playing something, something like Tristana, anybody that's played League of Legends knows this, right? When you're playing something like Tristana and you get a couple of kills on, like, a resetting hyper carry. There's not very many of those in the game, period. The game is essentially over, like, at that spot. So you you more or less have to ignore everything else that happened in that game. Not even ignore, but, like, understand the context of it. So anything else that IG does to, like, look bad or or you can criticize them for not making taking chances to get back into a game, but don't look at the final score and be like, oh, man, this was, like, a, you know, a complete domination, right? It can happen. In the second game, we saw – I pointed out the Zoe Oriana matchup that uh, was taken advantage of. I'm going to be mixing up my series now. But anyway, the point the point I'm trying to make is don't get too hype off of one series just in general and definitely don't get too hype on it if it was like some kind of weird outcome like that, like a weird level one fight or Tristana picking up two killing blows. He did most of the damage on the first kill, but picking up two killing blows, getting a triple kill in the first like five minutes of the game – Right, that kind of thing isn't going to happen every game. If it did, you'd see Tristana way more often, right? So, just take that with a grain of salt. TT looked pretty bad. They looked like the same exact Dominus team. Like maybe the players looked a little bit better here and there, but like they had the same problems. They looked completely lost in the middle of the game. I'm, I'm just, I'm not buying LNG yet. So I'm going to be on TT here. Just maybe it's a bit of a bit of a hold your nose and take it kind of situation. But I'm not buying LNG even based on this morning. It was a good performance. Well, John said it this morning in the esports department Discord. Choo Choo Train is taken off. All in on Hype Train Icon. I already said effectively, not really, but I was pretty hyped on Tarzan coming into the year because I think that the uh, year off narrative is a little bit overblown in general. Um, <clears throat> and I think this team looked good this morning. I I don't think yeah. there's really. Any- any any two ways about it. That being said, I I, I totally understand where Vince is coming from. Laying minus four thirty five for any LPL team in the first week is is tough process for me to swallow. Honestly, um, anything it's either minus one and a half for LNG or nothing for me. Um, I, I would never bet that minus four thirty five. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alan's passing on that game. He had a Jeff for a second. Um. 
Then we have the other marquee matchup, I guess. Team WE, plus 123 against Invictus, minus 167. Invictus, minus 1.5 set, plus 173. This is John's special. This is These are two two of John's favorite teams here. Yeah. I see on the, on the WE side. I think this is a very interesting game in, in terms of IRL viewing purposes. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to watch this one. Um, and I'm glad there's the second game on the slate because that means I'll, I'll more likely be awake. Yeah. Um, so that's always good for me. But uh, this is definitely going to be an interesting one to see if Invictus can bounce back from that kind of unfortunate and and really poor outing, honestly, this morning um, against against uh, LNG. So we'll I definitely see. I, I need to clarify. I definitely don't want to say the LNG win was all luck because like it wasn't. But I just think you need to not say, oh, oh my god, they completely stomped IG when like any team that gets in that situation is going to stomp that game. But they no, did no, deserve no. to win. No, they 100%. Like, they won. They outplayed IG. The bottom lane, I'm Here's telling the- you, that bottom lane and, and the second game, Tarzan, honestly, popped the hell off on Olaf, too. So Our viewers need to remember, Vince is the most anti-hot take person in the world. I'm, I'm here for all the hot takes. LNG is winning worlds. IG is <laughs> not even going to make the playoffs in the LPL. Top Esports might pull off the Victory 5 Spring 2020 season here. Um, we're we're all in on the hot takes here, so we're, we're embracing that ball. How many how many LNG logos can we get in the Discord? We already have a couple, right? <laughs> I like to go back to the match. I like WE uh, in this matchup yeah. <laughs> um, a little. Uh, just at the at the plus money, I like WE in the matchup. That's fair. Uh, I I really like WE this season. I'm very worried though. As someone who's definitely betting WE in this matchup, I'm very worried about the mid lane. Shanks has had a couple like really great individual plays or individual team fights where it was like, wow, Shanks is really good. But he's also had some real bummer games. Yeah. And the number one thing that's the biggest problem for me is Jumang is awful at Samira. Like mm-hmm. Jumang has got to stop playing Samira, dude. Every game I see him on Samira, they get dumpstered. And every game that he's not playing Samira, I'm like, oh, it's Jumang again. Like he's just killing it. And they put him back on that champion, and he's terrible. So, I mean, I'm not saying – like, Samira, I think, is a little ceiling and floor of a champion yeah. in general. If she gets ahead, she looks, like, insane. But, yeah, I don't want to see Jumang playing the Samira anymore because I want Jumang to be among the best 80 carries in the league, and that's the only time he hasn't looked among the best 80 carries in the league so far. But Just to harp on it quickly – um, we don't, we've never, I don't think we've gotten Alan's take on this, but I know, I know Vince and John, we, we've discussed these things, you know, ad nauseum about other teams, but, uh, I guess John, you're the highest we believer here. Like, do you think Shanks is giving them the best opportunity to win? Would you like to see them go back to teacher mall? Would that affect how you feel about the team's upside or anything like that? And, and obviously Vince and Alan, feel free to chime in on that too. I know we have a team in the LCK. We'll talk about this in the mid lane as well, but here's how you guys are feeling about these, you know, initial rosters we saw in terms of, uh, you know, do we think that's the, the, the foot the team can put forward or, or how we think that would affect handicapping going forward as well? I'd kind of like to see Yi Meng for a couple games. I'd like to see what all three options are. I think Shanks is probably more, sta- more stable than Teacher Ma. He might not offer, you know, quite the same types of like roaming potential that Teacher Ma was offering, but I think he's probably more stable and the rest of their team is good enough that I think stable is good. But I'd still like to see... So, like, if they have a third guy, which they do, I wouldn't mind seeing him to see see how he looks. Because I don't think Shanks has been excellent so far. He's been fine. I think Shanks has had some really, really good games. And I think, like, overall has been, like, good. 
He's, I, I think overall, I mean, small sample size better than Teacher Ma, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Like I would, I mean, at this point, you might as well. You got two. You got two wins, and uh, may, maybe the case is like I, I don't think they've played well in these two games, in these two matches, at all. Like I don't think they've played remotely close to what they were last year. They look like they look like they're the same team. Like they're doing the same things, but they're not as clean. So maybe a little bit of rust going on here with with Team I'll, WWE. But I'll say I think Breathe has been amazing, which was which is what I was hoping. I think he's been the best player on their team. Beishong, I think, has not been as good as he was last year. Juming has been. Juming has had the two worst series that I've seen him in like a year. Yeah. Like I think these were like Juming. the two worst series he's had since like last spring, maybe. So. Yeah, I think Curse is, or Breathe has been excellent. So I'm. I think if the rest of the team goes back to how they were playing last year, then adding breathe is what I was hoping it was going to be. Alan, what do you think? Like I, I'm a little concerned about WE. Like they're they don't they just don't look sharp. Like before, I I liked that they were this predictable thing. As as a as a viewer, like I knew that I was going to get like solid fundamentals, and they were not going to make a lot of mistakes. And that's not what I've been seeing so far, even though they've won. So what do you what do you think? Yeah, I think W is a, a solid team. I don't think that they're like uh, the the top team maybe that we we thought they were before the split. Like I made a futures bet on them, and I'm kind of now starting to feel like maybe they don't have, have that top talent. <clears throat> but I would like to do one thing, which feels like a rite of passage on this show, and just have 30 seconds to rant about Invictus fucking gaming. I, I cannot do it with this team ever again <laughs> i'm done betting on their games you just listen to these guys pretend that there's any edge in betting on a single invictus gaming game there is not this team is the dumbest team in the history of league of legends i'm so done with them so today i was like i i can't bet on them at this number they're insane but i think that when they win they're gonna win uh, in DFS, and I'm just going to go overweight on them because because the, everyone's going to play them anyway, so I'm just going to go they're in 100% of my lineups. <laughs> and then they get 2 zeroed by fighting over a goddamn scuttle crab and and then in the second game, I'm like, oh, finally, they're going to take it seriously, whatever. And then the shy locks in vain top, and they fill it in with like three other 80 carries and Leona. <laughs> I can't what is this team? I'm starting to I'm starting to feel like we should import Philly fans to go to their game <laughs> and just boo the shy when he locks in these stupid champions. We just get like Eagles fans, Phillies fans, let whatever. Call, let me I don't call a bunch care. of my friends. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll exactly. get right on this. <laughs> any any random Philadelphia fan to just boo this team when they pull this bullshit i'm so sick of them and i i'm i i will never bet on an ig game again See, alan, that's how you know alan's been listening to the podcast for a while he's joined the church of josh roberts <laughs> you you'll never get it correct whether you bet on them or against them it's literally impossible just don't do it and you save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of money in the process i'm telling you what i'm glad to see alan has come over to the light side John- <laughs> Jelani are still over there on the dark side trying to make a profit on their games when it's literally impossible because the shy will just inch you if you bet on them and troll you if you bet against them. So it's just really, really just unwinnable. Invictus money line pick of the week. Just saying. <laughs> I want to hear the comms in relation to what you were saying. I want to hear Invictus comms. Can you, like, 
do you think there's a reasonable chance, like some percent chance, that it sounds like the coach is like, let's play Orn, and the shy's like, just fuck you. And just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, game. probably. Like, I mean, <laughs> he just kind of looks at him like, and he's just like, no, it's vain. No. <laughs> That's what's happening in these comps. I would like, I would love to be a fly on the wall for that. Oh my god. Oh, Invictus. I actually like Invictus in the spot. I think WE have looked a little shaky. Might not be pick of the week. Really. I think WE has not looked as good as I was hoping. But yeah, I, I'm honestly like, I'm a little. I mean, it's it's early. I'm not like really concerned, but it's weird to me that they look the same, but they're just doing it worse. So I guess it's good that. I don't know. I'd almost rather them be looking completely different and and sucking at something different, right? Because it shows that they're like trying to develop more. Because then I would be more like, oh, like long term, this will be a good thing for this team. But one principle we should just touch on quickly for the viewers or for the listeners is we we talk all the time about um, anchoring to our preseason expectations, right? Especially early in the season, and this is the prime spot, right? Game two, series two, series three for these teams in in the Eastern regions is where you get major overreactions, oftentimes from the odds makers and from the public. Um, so Vince, I mean, you just mentioned it with IG. Um, are there any spots you're attacking here on this LPL slate in general that you think are or more of a, like, I'm anchoring to my preseason expectations. I'm not going to be moved by what I saw in the first, you know, yeah. couple. Of- yeah. I mean, this one, I'm going to be on Invictus here for sure. Uh, it's not going to be like slam dunk, like block of the century or anything, but I'm going to be on Invictus here for sure. Probably in, I'm probably going to be on EDG against Fun Plus as well for the same reason. And I'm like I said, I'm already on Rare Adam. But like, had I not had a position on Rare Adam already, I would I would take them at this number too. So I guess like that's where I'm at. The the rest of these are are, are so far in the other extreme that it's kind of like I could see either direction. But yeah, uh, that that's where that's where I'm at. Like, and obviously like John is going to be on WE because he had them. In a, in a solid position, and I, I don't know if what you've seen so far has really impacted. Like, is that enough to change your opinion to like back you off of this position, John? Which position? Like Team WE. Like, are you gonna are you shying oh, away from I, that position or? Well, I I didn't bet them like futures wise. I thought that they were one of the best teams in the league. I had them power ranked second, but their odds were like a little too low, yeah. and I didn't I didn't end up backing them as a future, but. Uh, I, no, I'm not backing off of this position. I mean, IG, if you're going to say WE has looked shaky, I mean, IG has looked at least equally shaky, losing a 2-0 to LNG. And honestly, IG's bot lane got dumpstered in their first match too. And now they're going to have to play against Jumang and Missing. I think that could be that could be a problem. Like the Shy and, and Rookie and Jun in particular. I, I don't know if there's anyone better in the world, honestly, at just, at just abusing the opponent, opposing, opposing mid laner. Like, the way that he, in that first series, was able to just roam and just affect the rest of the map on on Zoe and on, uh, I forget who he played in game one, but he was just like, it wasn't even like he was destroying the lane that bad, but his effect on the map was just so large. I, I don't know if there's anyone else in the world that's as good at it as him. Yeah, kind of a separate topic, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really starting to put a lot of weight on the like, he might he might actually just be the best mid laner ever like he might just be better than faker he's been yeah, so so man. good for so long on good teams on bad teams like he 1v9 carries harder than any player i think i've ever seen it's ridiculous he's in that top three conversation with faker and icon i think <laughs> get the fuck out of here 
we're gonna move on on that on that topic. I mean, who just won two zero, Gelati? Who just won two zero? That's Fair enough. Fair enough. I've got nothing. I have absolutely nothing. A full career track record means absolutely nothing in this context, right? <laughs> what have you done for me lately, buddy? Lost uh, to LMG. I'm putting in my resignation for that comment. <laughs> LCK, we had our first day of games today. We have a second one tomorrow, but Friday we're going to touch on what's looking kind of ugly. We have Bri- uh, Fred Abrion plus 542 against Gen G minus 1100. So Gen G just completely raffle stopped KT Rolster this morning. So I do think the second game was not quite as bad a blowout as the final score showed, which is becoming a tradition that John George absolutely hates about this Gen G team. He saw me immediately unmute. So oh, I yeah. About Gen G getting 25 kills. In the a first game, game they, they did legitimately kills. destroy them. The second game, yeah, it was man. pretty close, and then it was like literally back-to-back aces, and it was like, oh, all of a sudden this looks terrible, right? The second game, I mean, I'm just taking it from my perspective from when I was watching it. The second game, I felt like Gen G could have won the game whenever they felt like it. Like yeah. they just kept, I was just like, these guys are just obviously winning. They're obviously winning immediately. And they're just like, oh, we killed four of them. Let's back off and take the Krugs as a team, and then we'll meet them back in the mid lane in a minute. Like, it just didn't make any goddamn sense just so they could get 24 kills. Luckily, I fucking hedged with some Gen G, so I won the GPP last night. But I'm not happy. <laughs> You've I'm never not heard happy. anyone be so mad about winning a GPP, right? Like, I'm, I'm so mad about it, dude. I'm tired of it. Get out of here, Gen G. Oh my god! Uh, I'd like to point out the reason that I think I was low on Gen G is because I listen to John every week do this. <laughs> Not only on the podcast, he also does it to me separately in DMs and or in, in the Discord, where he's like, "Can this projection for Gen G be lower because they just hard stop?" <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe it should be. <laughs> I think I just got biased because of John Hayden. So, yo, I, I have an angle for this game, for this series. Former Gen G coach, Edgar, now the head coach for Breon. Huge number early in the season, feeling overconfident because they just shit stomped KT Rolster. Is this a time to back Fred at Breon? What's he, he going to fucking no. Breon how to, <laughs> to back off after you ace the enemy in their base or what? <laughs> I mean, that's a huge number. That's a ridiculous number. But Genji are, uh, in case anyone forgot, by the way, Genji are really goddamn good. I think they had a bad Worlds tournament. We talked about this in the pre in the LCK preseason show. They they ran it back. This team was ridiculously good last season. They just had a bad Worlds tournament, and it 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 almost looks like they just took it out on KT Rolster this morning. Like. I don't know. I think there's a case to be made for Breon, like, in terms of that angle. But you can't, yeah. Right? There's something to be said for that. They haven't played yet. This is going to be their first series. They could have some spicy shit prepared. I mean, you're getting you're getting plus 171 from them to take a, a game? Breon's not going to win. So this is the spot where you usually say X, Gap, Fred at Breon. There's not a single player on their no, team. No, right? no, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, <laughs> any single player that's even like top half of the yeah, league. Yeah, and and like as as much as I like Edgar, oh, yeah. you you can't even necessarily say coaching gap because like they just yeah, stayed, they just stayed good even when he left. So like, yeah, coach gap, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe. 
In any other league, maybe you'd take the dog here, but in the LCK, just uh, Genji are so goddamn good. <laughs> They're just really, really good. So, damn one. This one is more interesting. I think we're all going to be on the same side for this one. Maybe. We'll see. Damwon Gaming. Damwon Kia now. My bad. Minus 435 against T1. Plus 293. When the hell is the last time we've ever seen T1 plus 293 ever? I don't think it's ever happened. I legitimately don't think I've ever seen a number this big for T1. I hate to do it because the show is so long, but I have like a mini rant related to last night because I got a lot of the same question last night, and I think it's just worth saying it real yeah, quick, which is go for it. with T1, I got a lot of messages last night when people saw that Gumi, UC, and Closer were playing of people saying like, should I go bet on HLE now? Like, Gumi, UC, and Closer are playing. Like, doesn't that mean I should just like slam the the HLE? If If that is who SKT is playing, that is who they think are better. So if you thought Teddy was good enough to win, then they think Gumiusi is better than Teddy. So if you, if you thought that Teddy was definitely good enough to win, then you should not be changing that because they put in Gumiusi. This is not like a late season substitution where they've already locked up their playoff position or whatever. They're coming into the league like this. They think this is their best roster. So it's going to be interesting because this is not what we expected their roster to be, yeah. their main roster to be. But I'm guessing the only way that this isn't their best roster is is if Teddy and management are at some sort of odds and ends. Because I think Closer was probably already as good or better than Faker, or close at least. So I think it's very believable that Closer that they believe Closer is better than Faker. The Teddy Gumiuzi one was the one that seemed real weird. But for me, I don't think there's any way that they're on good terms with Teddy, and they think he's better than Gumiuzi, and they just played Gumiuzi anyway. So either Gumiuzi's better, or there's a problem with Teddy and the management. Josh, do you have something? Because I... Looks like you were going to chime in on it. But... No, I was just going to say, just we, we need to be careful with the messaging here. John did a good job of it. But I was going to say, that's not always the case, especially with T1. Late in the season, oftentimes, they, they and even in the middle of the season, they've done it before. They have a history for this. Uh, Vince knows it way better than I do. He's just more well-versed on the region. But they, they love to play subs <clears throat> in spots that they think they have an advantage already. And, um, you know, it, it so – to just to slightly push back on another point, I, I definitely agree with them because of the way I have HLE ranked. But if, for example, T1 in their minds has HLE ranked the way John does, I think John had them at sixth or seventh, John, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and they just think they're way better than they just see it as an opportunity to give Gumu Yushi to start. Um, you know, that, that could be a potential case, right? So I don't want to speak in absolutes here that, that T1 would only play this roster if they think it's the best roster because they've definitely made suboptimal decisions before in order to get people experience and things of that nature. But I do think it, it looks a lot more likely that they think this is their best roster than not right now. Yeah, yeah I think coming into the new season and playing against Chovy and Deft and HLE, I think that's a spot where you're going to see them play their best roster for the most part, not a spot. Like you say, they do they do sub if they're up against, you know, Jan Air Green Wings, and they just want to get some experience on somebody. But I don't think this that's what they were doing personally. Uh, I, I kind of think it's, like, maybe nothing is, is relevant. Like, I, I'm kind of in the school of thought that, like, don't draw any conclusions from anything, basically. Like, I think the only, re- I think the only conclusion you can draw right now is, like, T1 are deep as hell. And if they play this, like, if this is T1 and we never see Faker or Teddy again, God, I hope that's not true. But if this is T1, this is still a league-winning potential. 
And that's uh, we we've talked about it before. Like, I don't think people understand how much having an embarrassment of riches like this is is. We've seen too much mismanagement in League of Legends, so we get paranoid about it. But the fact that you have all of these players pushing each other to be the best at all times, like we talked about it last week, competition breeds excellence, right? That was part of our thing with with RNG too, is that they have this this backup plan and all this stuff. If this is your backup plan, even if this is your main plan, and your backup plan is Teddy and Faker, almost none of this matters. Like I, maybe maybe Carrier just gelled with Gumiusi better when he first got here, and they're just doing hot hand for now. Maybe they did think how my life was like. We're not going to know until we get more of a sample size to know whether this was relevant or not. That that's kind of where I'm at. I just think you need to treat T1 as a team, not as a, as the individual players. I think like it sucks for DFS purposes. We 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 all get that. It's it's brutal, especially when they don't announce anything. But this team can beat any team with any of like any iteration of their roster. And that's just like to, to me, like that's the that's just the cold hard truth about it. Yeah, you could nitpick about who you think is better, right? Oh, is is Faker better than Closer? Is Teddy better than Gumiusi? Right? I personally still think it's Teddy and Faker, but the, the fact of the matter is, like this this team, and I guess we're going to tie it back to this game just to bring it reel it back in here. This lineup could beat Damon Gaming, straight up. Like this doesn't change my handicap that much. So I I'll actually. Do- the most surprising sub to me was Ellen over Cuz, and I, that that might be a hot take. Um, but we we saw, like John said, we we saw enough last year to say closers arguably as good, if not better, than Faker. We've heard a ton about Gumiushi, especially in solo queue, being an absolute monster. He's been in um, the system for a while too. And well, yeah, and and Teddy's a super storied name in AD Carry. Don't get me wrong, but you know. This dude's—he's a monster in solo queue. He's always ranked one in Korea, and you don't do that without being a beast, especially in AD carry in in 2021. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what surprised me was the Elm over Cuz, and I think that's the one that's kind of going under the radar because of the other two names just being so big. Um, but that's what was most impressive to me is that they were able to win with with three backups from what we expected from the main roster against the team that I think is pretty talented in Shelly. Yeah. Uh... This is just going to be an ongoing situation, I think. Alan, do you have anything on this? Or No, I mean, you guys covered it. If your B-Squad beats Deft and Chovy, you shouldn't be plus 300 against anyone in the world. Yeah, I'm with that. And are we all, we're all on T1 here, right? Yeah, it's pretty tough to pass that number up. I haven't even seen them remotely close to a number like this either. And it's, I'm not betting it just because of that. I'm betting it because this team is damn good. But... Yeah, like even I don't know. This number is ridiculous. This is, there's no way in hell. There's no way in hell this number's fair. Anyway, and Dam One's great. I mean, Dam One might be the maybe best the team best in the world. team. Yeah, ever. like they might be. <laughs> yeah, but uh, plus three hundred is just wild. Yeah. Um, sandbox versus KT Rolster. Uh, so we haven't seen Sandbox yet. We're gonna see. Actually, we're gonna see them this morning. Uh, well, it'll be Thursday morning. Uh, we record this Wednesday night. And KT Rolster, we just saw this morning get pwned by Gen G. This, uh, I, I kind of like this sandbox team, and I kind of like this KT Rolster team, but this is just going to be a wait and see for me. I, blind without seeing sandbox tomorrow. What's up? I'm surprised that you say that it's a wait and see for you. Yeah, I, I'm kind I of like you were higher than 
me on KT, and I, I locked it on KT immediately. I already bet it. Yeah. I, I I'm starting to come around more on Sandbox than I was. I think this team's talented, but I, I want to wait. This I rarely do this because I like hitting number before like it gets pumped up one way or the other. But I'm I'm gonna wait and see Sandbox today because if they look shaky or they look like they they've had a bad off season or anything like that, like I don't want to draw too much from one one series. But I want to see like what they're trying to do more than their actual performance. And if it lines up with what I'm thinking, then I'll probably pass this game. Maybe take KT Rolster. We'll see. I don't know. This was interesting. You're right. I probably should be on KT Rolster here just based on like what my preseason evaluation was, but I'm starting to – Sandbox is growing on me. Is the TLDR there. Alan? Josh? I think it's just a pass for me. I, I can't make heads or tails of the LCK middle, so I'll just pass and, and wait till I get a better idea of what these teams are. Yeah, I'm with Alan. This game's just a reminder to me that I hate League of Legends odds. <laughs> like these are this is like equal team odds. Yeah, in, in League of Legends, not in anything well, else, right? <laughs> like it's so, it's so absurd. Like it's so annoying. But yeah. but yeah. Hanwha Life minus two forty four, Dragon X minus uh plus one seventy eight. Uh so I'm gonna go ahead and say it now because I, I pointed it out in my article today. A freak of freaks are only like minus one forty against Dragon X tomorrow. Even I think we need. Oh, go ahead. Even I think, even if you give Dragon X some benefit of the doubt that they can, that these young players could be something, and you're maybe even like I, I am optimistic that they could be like not a garbage team, but I still had them like tenth. Most of us had them like ninth or tenth, right? And they're going to be competitive, but like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm lower on Hanwa, so maybe I pass this one. But I, I Afrika today, I just absolutely slammed it. It's like my biggest position yep. of the year so far. That's what I was going to say. Is I, I said I was going to say I think we really need to talk about DRX and what's going on with the books with DRX because that that line stuck out like a sore big thumb. time sore thumb to me when I first saw it, and I just I literally went and double checked to make sure I wasn't misremembering something about like the rosters or if somebody had COVID or if something like that was happening because. Afrika just seems so much better than Dragon X that I can't think of a reason why the odds should be this close. Yeah, uh, on that matchup, that is. This is factoring in very heavily the prior year. Like, just the, the, this. This is the kind of situation we talk about all the time. Alan, what's up? It has to be right. Yeah, just take whatever you were going to bet on this game and put it on Afrika tonight. If you uh, hear this in time, I'm going to try to get it out, but we'll see. We'll t- we'll tweet we'll tweet that one out maybe. On the house, you can see there's another like equally interesting one that we're about to talk about in a second with with Afrika. So, yeah, um, are we all on Hanwha here? I'm and I I don't I'm I'm not that big on Hanwha, but I'm kind of down on Dragon X. What's up, Josh? One moment, okay, Mister Mister Esports plug over here grinding my gears this morning. Not only did I did I randomly awaken at at 4 a.m. and cranky as hell, I, I then. Had to read messages saying that Chovy winning by 40 CS at 15 minutes means nothing in League of Legends. And I got very upset. So I just wanted to remind everyone that, that Chovy's the best mid laner in the world. And, uh, you know. And getting solo but, kill, and getting solo killed by closer does not change that. He did. All right. First off, I don't think that happened, but maybe it did it after did, I felt like it, it did. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, R dived under his turbine. Oh, I got, really he got, got, he got, 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 got,
Okay. <laughs> His coaches put him on Victor, who's the most useless champion in the game right now. I saw in game three, so if that's when it happened, I don't blame him. It's not his fault. We're gonna have to have Church Chovy on as a guest. He was actually making a point <laughs> to not pick him Victor ever again. Anyways, is that one of your accounts, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> it might be, but anyway, you're getting plus one thirty-two here, but in a in the revenge narrative, and B in a team that I have ranked powering third versus tenth is just insane value for me. So I, I'm all over DRX once one half. John's boys. Actually, I think kind of all of our darlings to some extent, to varying extents. We have Noxium Red Force plus 640 against Damon Gaming minus 1400. Noxium to take a game at plus 175. Here's the question I'd actually pose to you guys. What would the circumstances be in any league, like with, within the league, that you wouldn't take a plus, a plus 640 underdog in week one? Like what... Dignitas against yeah. Damwon. No, no, in, but like in a like you would take a Dignitas against Team Liquid, right? Like within any region's league, is there any team or any region where you wouldn't take a team at in plus six forty against a team in, in the same three? Yeah, best three, best one, yeah. In a best of three, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it with Dignitas and Liquid. I think Liquid's enough better. That's yeah, like the I only mean, one I can really think of, though. Honestly, if you're talking one versus ten, I can at least see an argument for it. Like some of those old Gen Air Green Wings teams or whatever against an SKT or whatever. This one's just so clear because Nongshim is not a tenth place team in the yeah. league. Like at worst, they're like a seventh or sixth place team in the league or whatever. And so when you're looking at a sixth or a seventh place team at plus six forty against anybody, I don't think you can pass if, that. If up the other out. team has like literally anything going on, you have to consider it. It's the, the only times I, I don't consider it is when it's like there's like a seven position difference at every role, which I think would be the case with like, I mean even Dignitas like okay like they have Dardock right but well, like who's, who do we have who did we have sixteenth in the LPL was it OMG oh we had we had OMG and LGD at the bottom yeah so like we we'd take OMG against TES at six forty right no yeah the LPL is different though. Yeah, I think so. Well, fair enough. <laughs> like, that's the other thing is like the LCK is not the LPL. The LCK, not just because of historical evidence either, but just like it makes sense with how they approach the game. You know, like uh, it, it, the LCK, like I, you got to treat it like almost like chess, where like the super high level players at chess just aren't ever going to lose to anybody below a certain rating, unless they're like drunk and screwing around, like. A grandmaster in chess is just never going to lose to Joe Schmo off the street, ever. So, all right, guys, it's time that I prove my li- listenership here. You guys ready? Knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> it's the bad news Buck, cousin of the beer goggles Beaver and the bad news Bear. <laughs> Damn, Juan's just going to win two zero against this team. <laughs> like, Damn. what are we doing here? Just what a world championship where they looked not even really challenged at a world championship. And they're facing, you know, uh, Heroes of the Storm professional. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to win 2-0. to zero. What, What's going on, guys? This is like tenth of a unit. 
yeah, yeah. I, I, get it. I, I get it in the, in the long-term vision, but if, uh, if you've ever uh, tried to do a little bit of handicapping on the Twitter or, the, or anywhere in public, you can't have long-term vision. People are like, you bet on a plus 700 favorite, they better fucking win. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'll have at least four Nongshim Red Force DFS lineups on that slate. I'm confident of it. Out of 150 or what? Well, actually, these days, just as a, I mean, I don't really want to decide it, but I usually only play single entry high stakes tournaments these days, or I play like 24 lineups in the in the big thing. I don't ever max. There we go. Red Force. I don't know. You're probably right. Red Alex. Force. It's Some, a lot. Alan, sometimes, Alan, sometimes you just you're right. You like you just gotta like. You just gotta look at me like, what are we doing? Like, it's like, what, like, what are we really doing here? Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Go, my like, my big shows value out. at you know thirteen. Alan just Vince, honestly, he just Vince to Vince. Yeah, no, no, you're yeah, no, you did. That was next level. That was next level. I don't think Alan would have appreciated my bet on Kazakhstan to win the Asia Cup. At plus, <laughs> plus five hundred thousand or whatever it was. Yeah, like yeah five hundred thousand. I was like, "Who knows, man? All the other planes could crash." <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it's fixed. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I would have advised Egypt or somebody else with a viable Korea, player. Korea, Korea, China were in there. We've got uh, one more uh, one that we talked about earlier. Freaka minus one seventy five. Brion plus one thirty two. Um, Afrika, for whatever reason, I have no idea why, are just being way undervalued here. Like, may, you know what? Maybe Afrika lose their opening series and the books look like geniuses here, but, like, am I nuts? Are you guys seeing the same things I am? Is it all just Kespa Cup related? Like, maybe? Is that what's going on here? Like, they, did, they lost to DRX in the Kespa Cup. It's a playoff team from last season. Do you guys remember, I don't know if this was like a fever dream I had because I wake <laughs> up at 2 in the morning to watch these games, but did Afrika beat T1 in a playoff series last yeah, year? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So then they upgraded their roster and they're be- being treated like some shitter team. I Yeah, I'm 100% with Even you. Even if it, you think they Afrika like slightly downgraded... Like even if you think they slightly, this team lost like one series to a, a below five, like a like a bottom five team the entire like the entire year. It's got to be just related to Kespa. It has to. They be. Owe, they owe for their group in Kespa Cup. That or they, someone they knows just, something. <laughs> they lost the Damwon and Nong, yeah, Damwon and Namshing, who you could kind of expect, tough and then one, they lost right? the Sandbox and DRX. So Sandbox and DRX are pretty tough losses, but. I still don't know if it's enough to move the needle for me, but that has to be why it's like this, is their 0-4 in the Kespa Cup. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to be wrong on this, but this this is egregious to me. So, slam dunk or freak or freaks. That said, we're down to pick of the week. Last week, we had a 3-0, a full sweep to start the season off. We had uh, I hit Rogue Warriors plus one and a half maps against top, and they won outright. John had LNG plus one eighty or two eighty three against Invictus Gaming. That's the money line, folks. They won outright. And Josh had Sooning plus one and a half at plus one fourteen, and they won outright. Three outright dogs. Boom. Swag. I had to get hype on that. Sorry. Pick of the week for this week. Who we got? 
I'm going with WE against IG. We had a lot of conversation about it, but I'm taking WE at plus 123 against IG. Who's next? Uh, I think I'm going to steal the one that everyone probably wanted. I, I got T1 plus one and a half versus Damwon at a plus 101. T1 to get one game at a near even money is insane value. Josh? Man, this is this is tough. So, like, for my brand, there's a choice that I really want to do for my brand. <laughs> and it's really tough for me to balance whether or not I should do that in terms of being probable for the listeners. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'll give you my brand. My brand pick is CLG over 100T and just say top gap. Solo's playing top. Just go in on it and just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I'm going to go with uh, top minus one and a half against Rare Adam. I just, I really just think you're giving me you're giving me plus money on on night destroying. Um, oh Fofo. God, Fofo, that's right, Fofo in mid lane. I I will I I think that's more than fifty percent likely. So I will take the plus money on. <clears throat> Damn, I was almost going to go the other way on two on two pick of the weeks. Oh man, uh, at this number, I, I don't like Rare Adam quite as much at that number. I think SK T one's probably reasonable. I'm gonna go EDG money line against Fun Plus at plus one fifty six. Um, the listeners provided us with a couple of selections here. And the winner, I wrote a couple other ones down that aren't on here, but he won the role anyway, is going to be Big Kev from the Esports Department Discord with the 100 Thieves money line against Team Solo Mid. That's going to be, we'll grade that at plus 112, opening match on Friday, more, or I guess it's going to be afternoon, right? I forget the start time for that. Yeah, it's afternoon or so. evening, even if you're uh, Eastern. Right, so longest show ever besides the world's show, uh, but we got through a lot of stuff. We talked big picture LCS our first weekend. Now that we've got all our preview stuff out of the way, we're going to be able to get into the swing of things with our regular scheduled programming. We'll touch on a couple listener questions and and uh, you know maybe touch on a big picture concept from from time to time. But now that we're in the, th- the thick of things and we're going to have the LAC starting up next week, we're going to have full slates, and that's how we're going to be talking for. You know, it's going to be more like a normal show. So, Alan, where can people find your material? Uh, so they can find me at, at Twitter, LCS Picks. That's the best place to, you know, find everything I do. But uh, I write articles over at linemovement.com. My real name is Alan Heffelfinger. You can search that over there if you can spell it. And uh, I am also starting to do the Western Leagues for DFS in a show called The Infinity Edge for the eSports department with uh, all the guys on this show, which I'm very, very excited about. So subscribe and join us and uh, watch our videos over there. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? Yeah. um, Just saying uh, Gen G Futures looking really nice now that – if there's a real real chance that uh, 
Ruler goes down with an injury and Crownshaw steps in, so they actually have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, he is now there. He's a streamer, right? Yeah, he's he's gonna go there in early February. Really hope it works out for him. Honestly, I I I think uh, it'll be interesting to see him. He's he's doing some live viewing. I know he did some LCK live viewing this morning and things like that, but. Hopefully it ends up working out for him. I hope he gets to be able to work his uh, reputation back up enough to be able to come back in the LEC in the summer or OCS in the summer. I think there's some, a lot of very clear spots that in in both leagues, honestly, that he could have fit better than some of the players they have now. Yeah. And hopefully they just end up really realizing that. So we'll see. I think the uh, the the cross between esports profitability for the organizations. And competitiveness is is a is a tough balance right now for those organizations, and uh, it seems like they're prioritizing the profitability a little bit more, which which makes it tough for these these players that are a little bit more experienced, but not necessarily the best at their position. How cool, so. how cool would it be if if like Genji clinched the number one seed or something like that, and then they were just like here. Crouchock, go go play a game on stage. Don't need to like yeah. your career will be I mean, good enough by then, right? Like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is with that, it's like uh, I think Liquid's had um, who, who's the NA streamer that's like uh, he's the top laner. He plays like only Jacks. Oh, oh. Um, no, I forget. Anyway, yeah, but but anyways, he's been technically Team Liquid sub for the past like three years, but he's never played in the pro league, so it, it won't happen. But it's it's funny to like theory craft on. So yeah. Fun to see. All I'll say for the end of the episode, I'll leave a teaser <clears throat> for next week so that people, if you listen to this episode, hopefully you'll come back and listen next week. My sign off next week, I think I'm ready to tell a long story with uh, some twists and turns, exploring the worlds of, of high stakes Russian ping pong, of, of e soccer. <laughs> I'm, ready tell, I'm ready to tell the story of the greatest gambling night of my whole life that occurred recently. Um, <laughs> and so next week we'll, we'll bring the mystique of, of a fantastic story to the sign off next week. Make sure I leave it. Remind me to leave some extra time at the end of the episode for that one. We won't, <laughs> we won't do any opening topics next week. I'll just, I'll just, we'll just go right into the games and leave plenty of time to set up the campfire. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe roast some hot dogs, make s'mores, whatever, what, what have you, whatever works for you. And, and, sit around the campfire and listen to one of the greatest tales that ever was. So for my sign off to uh, keep the theme similar, it is my greatest uh, act of degeneracy is, is a, is coming up. So to peel back the curtain a little bit, I live in Washington state where uh, DFS is, is not a legal activity and I will now be uh with the esports department and and doing a show on dfs and i would like to prove that i am i'm worthy of of listening to and so i'm going to on every thursday drive to the oregon border sit in a starbucks parking lot enter my lineups return home to washington and uh and see how that turns out for the season so uh if you if you thought that you were a degenerate you know i i'm more degenerate that's just called that's just called, that's just called hard work alan that's <laughs> there's a guy uh who's kind of well known who won 
one of the W Coop events on Poker Stars the same way. He drove, he'd say he shared a bunch of pictures throughout the event. He drove across state lines, sat in a parking lot at, a, at like a Starbucks or something. He had like a pee jug in the car. He had it all going on <laughs> so he could grind, so he could grind the Poker Stars W Coop in this fucking parking lot for like 15 hours. That's incredible. I'm actually very excited about the idea. Now, when I told my pregnant wife about the concept, she uh, was <laughs> predictably less excited about the idea. So, so we'll see. You know, you might see me sometimes in the DraftKings contest. See him in the lobbies. <laughs> Alan won't be back on next week. He's staying up too late tonight. <laughs> We have officially we are approaching the three hour mark. I think we've had enough. This is the longest show we've ever done. It was a pleasure having you, Alan. You can find his stuff at linemovement.com and the sportsdepartment.com where you can find all of our work as well as the free Discord. Hit us up. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you all next week. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.